Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The tail end of U.S. storms coming in, apparently, and it's going to bring temperatures dipping. We'll have the chilliest night of the year uh, in the next 48 hours. And, uh, you know, it could be down to even minus four tomorrow night and into Friday morning kind of thing in places. And they're also talking in the papers of a blowback Thursday. That's nothing to do with money or super sales or anything has to do with freezing conditions and the wind that's on the way. But paper-wise this morning, uh, where do you begin? Uh, And I don't mean to kick off on a negative note, but a lot of the stuff this morning puts pressure on the homes and puts pressure on young people who are either trying to buy a house or indeed even rent a house. You heard Tommy Gould in the news there. Many of the tabloids and the red tops and the broadsheets pick up on it today. The average rent would fund a €380,000 mortgage. Now, that's an alarming headline, but I have to say, I think many of you would agree with me, there's nothing new there. That's been the case for quite some time now, where you actually, if you could get a mortgage, get the deposit together, get a mortgage, uh, for a number of years now, at least uh, at least a few, probably longer than that, um, it was cheaper and has been cheaper to have a mortgage than pay rent. So the papers break it down this morning with regards to rent increases. I won't dwell on it much now because I'll come back to it, but I'd love to hear from you guys. You're always good with uh, your own stories and your own evidence and your own opinions, but they break down the cost of renting in Cork going up 10% a year, year on year, time after time after time, with the average rent in the city now at uh, €1,539 a month. That's for an average rental home, which we would categorise as being a three-bedroom semi, I suppose. They also break down the county figures, so more on that. Um, And also, this morning's Independent says that rents continue to soar and soar and soar, right, for a lot of different reasons. But one of them has to do with cuckoo funds and pension funds. Now, I will come back to this, because I remember interviewing Michal Martin, uh, and he thought that I had grown two heads during the middle of an interview once, uh, I think it was the last time I spoke to him, when I tackled him about pension funds and cuckoo funds outbidding families and new homes, he says, that's not happening anymore. I mean, I was speechless at the time, but you would think that the Taoiseach would know what he's talking about. But it is happening, and it's happening more so than ever. Like over 5,000 private rent-to-sector homes were scooped up by um, um, cuckoo funds last year. And that drove the average house price up, they say, but up to €104,000. Why, why do they pay more money and outbid everybody? Well, they know that in the long term, short to medium and long term, they'll make the money back because of the high rents in this country. So if you're heading back to work, the independents, I know... <laughs> It's kind of a gloomy uh, newspaper review this morning, I know, but they're saying if you are returning to work, um, figure that it could cost you up to €100 Euro a week if you're going back to the office or to your place of work. And they break it down in the Independent today with regards to transport costs. So a lot of that would have to do with fuel, clearly, but not just that. So transport, parking, food and clothing, because you can't go to work in your pyjamas. So these are the things that you need to figure in if you're heading back again. You probably noticed extra money in your pocket over the last two years. That's destined to change. Papers also this morning talk uh, in quite some detail of the event centre because uh, Own English was telling us yesterday that we have a kind of a tentative date, 2024. They don't specify what month or what day or anything. There's another 7 million euro of the state's money going to be ploughed into the long-stalled uh, project, But, um, you know, many of the businesses on Leaside and, and those actually who um, could benefit from it are saying they're cautious about it. You know, they'll believe it when they see it and when they get more. I suppose one thing when you get an actual date, but the dates came and went. So you kind of believe it when you see the diggers digging out the foundations, I suppose, to be honest with you, wouldn't you? A couple of very lovely stories on Leaside. Yesterday, there was the funeral of a wonderful man, a man by the name of Philip Williams, a 33-year-old young man 
who uh, passed away to cancer. But boy, was he loved, not just by his family. I watched the um, um, parts of the funeral mass yesterday. But he was a, a Mr. Whippy man. He had an ice cream van and he lived life. He really did. And he was so loved. But apparently the funeral cortege for Philip um, with his uh, um, Mr. Softy ice cream van was joined by many other ice cream vans from around the country. And there was, a, a, I suppose, there was a cortege in itself of Mr. Whippy vans. Um, all of them lined up behind the hearse and away they went to his final resting place. I hope to have more on that story a little later. And do you remember the story that we had on air of the Echo Boy, Jerry Cronin, who passed away recently at the age of 85? We're talking to his son on the air. A wonderful, wonderful guy. Well, he's going to get, because it's being proposed now at City Council, and hopefully it will happen. Mick Nugent is across this one at Council. He's hoping to get uh, that commemorative plaque to honour the Echo Boy, Jerry Cronin, uh, selling newspapers from the age of 11 for over 70 years. One of the most recognisable and loved faces on Leaside. Um, and his his office, if you like, was the door of St. Augustine's Church. It's, it was a fabulous story that his son told us, and they're all so proud of him. He was an Echo Boy, true and true. Reared many, uh, many children and indeed put a roof over everybody's head and was a wonderful guy. So he needs to get a plaque there. I think it's a wonderful idea. Meanwhile, um, as we head into, uh, you know, spring and then summer comes and more and more people, of course, will be coming hopefully to Ireland and we'll be visiting more places around Ireland. Many jobs still remain unfilled. About 40,000 remain unfilled, unfilled according to the tourist industry. How they're going to fill them, I don't know, but hotels and restaurants and bars of of vacancies and, you know, a lot of, uh, I imagine a lot of those that actually supply the hospitality industry are also short. But there's no shortage of places on planes for our TDs and our senators um, to, and our senior civil servants to head off overseas for the St. Patrick's weekend. 32 of them, um, and plus the Attorney General, so 33 in total. Oh, my God. Um, I couldn't even go through the list of them that are going because an awful lot of them I've never heard of. They're ministers of state. But certainly Michal Martin, Leo Varadkar, Eamon Ryan, Pascal Donoghue, Michael McGrath, Catherine Martin, Dar O'Brien, Norma Foley, Roderick O'Gorman, Simon Harris, Helen McEntee, Stephen Donnelly and Charlie McConluck. They're all going overseas. Uh, Simon Coveney isn't. He's remaining at home. And where are they going to, you might ask? Well, London and Washington, Colombia, Chile, New York, the Netherlands, London, San Francisco, Vancouver, Argentina the United Arab Emirates, Boston, uh, Philadelphia, France, Savannah, Georgia, Austin, Texas, few of them going to to Canada, Mexico, India, Sweden, Belgium, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Slovenia, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Australia, New Zealand, Greece and Los Angeles. Give me a break. They say it's important, so I believe them when they tell us that. Papers also talk about the pressure that uh, Simon Coveney is under. One, of course, has to do with the, the party at the Department of Foreign Affairs. Another has to do with the RTE broadcast of Women of Honour when a group of uh, female members of the Defence Forces alleged they were harassed and sexually assaulted, bullied and demeaned. And then, of course, there was this McKee barracks gathering uh, during lockdown in June of 2020, so he's got he's got a lot of pressure on at the moment. He probably needs to stay at home for that. Um, the the issue then with regards to Garda recruits is the story that makes the star because there were three thousand seven hundred and eighty one probationary Gardaí came coming out of Temple Moor uh, since two thousand and fourteen. And would you believe you probably would believe it, that over fifty percent of them went to Dublin automatically? And we should be freaking over that. Certainly, Michael Healy Reyes. And they break it down county by county. Like Dublin got one thousand six hundred and sixty-seven. Cork got wait for it two 
236. Is that pro rata? I don't believe it is. Uh, we may well come back to that a little later on this morning. There's that and lots more besides. I'm, I'm just conscious of time and I want to I wanna rock on and get some calls on the air. But I know that Adele featured yesterday, uh, last night in the Brits. You may have watched it, maybe you didn't, but she was uh, she was... She was toting uh, a fantastic diamond, huge diamond, uh, last night. She won three awards at the Brits. But I thought it was quite interesting, some of the things she had to say, because she scooped Artist of the Year, Album of the Year, and Song of the Year for Easy On Me. But she had a few words, and she was um, particularly interested uh, in the change of names to the various categories. You better believe in And the Artist of the Year goes to... Adele! I understand why the name of this award has changed, but I really love being a woman and being a female artist. I do. I do. I'm I'm really proud of us. I really, really am. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'd say J.K. Rowling was relieved to hear that from the stage, don't you think? Anyway, we all got to get along, lads. We all got to love each other and people live their lives, including farmers. Any of you go walking across farmer's land, right? And up mountains and through boreens and open gates and going in through fields. And I don't know that you ever get a grief from, you get grief from farmers. I've never got grief from farmers, ever. Like, I mean, maybe they're just the loveliest bunch of people, Irish farmers. It isn't the same in the UK, apparently. Like the Times UK this morning, have said that um, for some reason they have, they have to give advice and tips to farmers to be less rude to people who cross their land. Stop shouting, get off my land. Stop walking along with shotguns and stuff like that. I'm told it's got quite bad. Don't be putting up signs saying bull in the field if there is no bull in the field. <laughs> It's like people who put a sign up on their, uh, you know, the front gate saying beware, vicious dog. There is no vicious dog. The Neil Prenderville Show. Okay, lines open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on our brand new phone number 0818104106. I want to get this on the air, actually, because I'd love to hear more from, from you guys. No doubt you'll have your own stories to tell. Probably uh, sleepless nights with worry, wondering where you're going to live. Will you ever be able to buy a house? It doesn't look like that anytime soon. Uh, there's a couple of different housing stories making the papers today and I know that Tommy Gould has been talking about it because he was on the news at 9 o'clock. Tommy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Where, where, where do you start with this? Firstly, can I just hone in on something that I said to Michal Martin last year? I said to him that one of the reasons why rent continues to rise and house prices rise is because cuckoo funds are buying up estate loads of properties and he said, you're wrong, that's not happening anymore. But it is, isn't it? Well, you're right, Neil, is the bottom line. And these figures out today by DAF.ie and BNP reports show um, that vulture funds and cuckoo funds are actually paying 30%, over 30% higher than what ordinary people... Uh, how did they home. do that, Tommy? Do they just keep bidding, is it? Yes, they just outbid ordinary families who are trying to buy homes. So And they're driving up the price because they're in it for the long term. They're buying up these properties. Like we see in Dublin now at the moment, three quarters of all big, develop, big purchase developments um, are bought in advance are by these investment funds. So that means all these couples or families who want to buy a house, 
are being driven out of markets because they can't afford to buy And them. does that mean, because people would be interested in hearing this, I'm sure, does that mean that when people are going to viewings, pre-arranged appointments, they're also bidding and going to viewings where representatives of a pension fund or a, a cuckoo fund are also at the viewings? Yes. And we, we've seen that this started off as a Dublin phenomenon, but it's what's after happening now. It's after spreading around the country. And what the figures also show is that one in five properties now at the moment being sold in Cork are being sold to one of these uh, funds. So it's having a direct effect in Cork. And just for your listeners this morning, the average rent in Cork now at the moment for a three-bedroom is 1539 up over 6%. And the average price in the county is 1217 up 10%, Neil. But I thought 10%. there was rent control. Why are we even seeing that? Well, you see, what's happening, Neil, don't get me wrong, there are some landlords out there who are good, and they're not trying to tell them all with the one brush, but these figures prove what's happening. You have landlords now evicting people from their homes, painting the house or the apartment, and renting it out then at two or three or four hundred euros over the price that they last had to tell it. It's wrong, it's actually illegal, but that's what's happening on the ground. And these investment funds are coming in, buying up large developments and charging work. Okay, and they can do that, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, and pay over the odds because they know that rents are so high in Ireland that they will make it back rapidly. Yes, and they know, like, just to let people know that last year the government paid out 900 million euros on rent assistance like HAP, like Ross, like rent loans. So that's nearly a billion euros being paid every year to these landlords. So... What it is, is the government is actually guaranteeing their funds. And the other thing then, Neil, is they're ta- virtually tax-free. The, Michael Noonan, when he was Minister for Finance, he allowed all these investment funds come in and buy property, or property up and for no tax, where you have an army landlord and he's paying through the, a guy who might have, or a couple, or a woman who might have one house, or might have one or two properties that they bought as their pension fund. They're being crippled with tax where these investment funds are buying up hundreds of properties. There was, there was one company last year, they bought up 4,900 properties in Ireland at 2.27 billion they spent. So how can an ordinary couple afford to, stay, to fight against these And people? is that one of the reasons, uh, and are there more than that one reason, that when you see a big development going up and there's phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, that I saw recently that one um, property, big, biggest, massive estate, say, let's say phase three was um, 335,000 for a three bedroom semi. Phase four was 385,000 for the same house. Yeah. And actually, Neil, or has that more to do with the cost of labor and, um, uh, and building materials? No, well, that's part of it, but also these investment funds are coming in and they're buying up entire estates before a side of grass is turned. And, Neil, just to let you know now, if you bought, it, if you rented a two-bedroom property in Cork, that's it, right, it would cost you €1,278 a month, but you could buy that property for 661 so you're actually paying double to rent the property than you would to buy it. Yeah, but you have to have the deposit for that, isn't that's the that's the crux for many people, isn't it? Trying to get the deposit. But Neil, it was never like this. 
it was actually, it was always more expensive to buy a home than it was to rent the home. That was the whole part about buying a home. And that's why some people chose to rent. But the problem for people now is the rents are so high, they can't put a deposit together. And the other thing, that's like right. I, have my, yeah. I, I have my clinic every Monday. This Monday, four individuals and families came to me with eviction notices. Um, and were they I legal know, eviction notices, do yes, you know? Yeah, all four of them were legal eviction notices with the required days, and the, these landlords have to be out. And one man is actually over the days he should have been out on the 31st of January, and he's waiting to go to court because he wants to ask the judge where is he to go. But, but Tommy, let's say they're, you say that they're legal evictions, okay, and, and I accept that, but what reason would be given for a landlord? I thought it was only that if they were selling the property or they were giving it to a family member or moving into it themselves. But they're, they're saying all of that, Neil, but that's not what's happening, and we know that. But then that and becomes an offence, shouldn't it? Be an offence? It does, but I put it this way, Neil, if you're going to be homeless tomorrow, or if you, if you know, some of the landlords will sit in them, Right, because they'll make so much money on rent, these big funds, they can afford to do that. We have all, so what's happened is all the people are being, they just can't afford to get into the market. Like, we, we've been calling now, and Owner Brain, and I've been speaking to you. What we're looking for, Neil, is a ban on rent increases, a ban on, um, a, a ban on rent increases for three years and also to give renters one month's rent back up to a maximum of 1,500 euros into their pocket. Okay, so undoubtedly you'll, you'll do that when you get, if and when you get into power. But what about the cuckoo funds? What about the pension funds? Well, don't you know now that Pierre Storty will be having a good look at them and the days of them getting away tax-free and doing what they want. We certainly, and if Owen O'Brien is the Minister for Housing, we'll be looking at limiting... We need to put ordinary families first. We need to put people first. Like, we need to, it comes down to priorities. Are we prioritizing these big investment funds? And that's the big difference between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and Sinn Féin. We'll prioritize families and people who want to own their own home and not the big investment cuckoo funds in the vulture I hope funds. you deliver on that because that's a big promise to make. So let's just recap. You said the average rent, say, for instance, a one-bedroom apartment in the city is 1087 a month. If you got a mortgage on the same property, it would be €542 Euro a month. Uh, similarly, a two-beds house costing on average €1,278 Euro a month, the mortgage would be €661. Um, seems like very low mortgages. Well, Neil, is, that just shows you like, What's how, available? Crazy, how crazy uh, the rents are in Cork at the moment. Like... Just people listen to your show today and know already. They have no guarantee that the landlord won't give them a notice to I know, I know. And, and they'll be put out. Like, surely if you're renting, like, they're, living on the, they're living on their nose, Neil. What we're saying is, if we get into power, right, if we get into government, that we'll guarantee people's tenure, we'll guarantee that people can't be put out, and we'll, we'll guarantee a rent freeze. And it's also, just for, just for the record, we just got a few property examples for you. This is a, a two-bed, one-bath on Quaker Road. This is for rent. €1,950 for a two-bed, one-bath on Quaker Road. That's nearly two grand for a two-bed. No, Neil, you show me any ordinary average family who could afford that. 
A two bed with one bath in Spring Lane, 1150. A two bed with one bath on the North Main Street, 1360. Drastically cheaper than mortgages would be. Yes. No, drastically more expensive than mortgages would be. In fact, an average rent now would fund a nearly a 400,000 euro mortgage. Yes. My God almighty. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable, is right, Neil. And you, are you saying that the pension funds and the cuckoo funds have a tax write-off? Well, Michael Noonan, when he was the Minister for Finance, to encourage the vulture funds into the state, he gave them free, he gave them tax exemption or virtually limited, virtually no tax to pay it. That's what... And Pierre Storty was talking about at the time about the consequences, like... Michael Noonan and Fine Gael's attitude at the time was to get his investment funds, right? But here we are now, they're after coming in, they're buying up properties all over the place, they're after driving up rent, and the only people making money here are the investment funds. But, but the developers are too, and the builders are. Because they're getting more I, money for the property. They're, they're getting more than it's worth. Yes, yes. Because you need, it's about supply and demand. If you have these big companies with unlimited resources that can buy, that can pay over the odds. So you have, an, you have an ordinary couple who are trying to get on the property ladder and they are going in bidding against these massive US investment funds. So an ordinary person doesn't have a chance. Okay, okay. So under Sinn Féin then, rent freeze for three years, a month's rent back into the renter's pocket. Every year, is it? Yes. And we would prioritise ordinary families and ensure that they, they wouldn't be compete. We'd make sure that they'd be on a level playing field, that they wouldn't be being driven out of the market by okay, these okay. cuckoo funds. Just one fast one before I let you go. Maybe their eye in government is off the ball because they're all planning their trips and their jollies for St. Patrick's <laughs> weekend. There's 32 ministers uh, jetting off. I gave out a list of some of them earlier and the places they're going. Would that change under a Sinn Féin government? Or is it but, important? I would say that some of that is certainly important, especially with the US, you know, um, because like, we have very strong bonds with them. We see what the US have done in relation to the peace process in the North. So there definitely is a part to play. But like, it has to be dependent on whether this is good value, whether it's important for the country, for jobs, for the peace process, for all those things. But the main thing, Neil, is I'll be in Cork anyway, so if you want to meet up with me, uh, I'll be on Patrick Street with Michelle and the girls, so uh, that's where I'll be. Will you be there if Sinn Féin are in power, though? Will you still be at well, the Cork St. Patrick's Day Parade? I'll be on Patrick Street, that is good, and then probably uh, go in somewhere afterwards then for a bit of grub and uh, a couple of bottles of orange. All right, okay, take care of yourself. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, the serious and the not-so-serious Cork's... Uh, uh, TD, Sinn Féin TD, uh, Tommy Gould. Text 0868104106 on that lad. Pick up the phone or our new number 0818104106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I just wanted to spend a, a little time drilling into the types of property that uh, Cork City and Cork County Council are um, putting 
tenants into and paying hap on, you know. Um, and that's why uh, where you were was of big interest to me because the property that you were in and had to get out of was the subject of a Primetime Investigates story, many stories back in 2018. Can you, can you tell me about the, the East Cork property that you moved into um, the summer of last year, wasn't it? Uh, it was, yeah. Um, so I moved in and previous to that, Neil, uh, I was homeless. Yeah. Um, moved in there. Uh, place looked lovely, the whole lot. Um, there was problems arose inside the property. Uh, damp water through the ceiling in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, it was fairly chaotic, to be honest. It was an apar- um, It was an apartment, like wasn't it? A, it was a flat, like a converted attic. Is it? Yeah, it was uh, no insulation. Um, the windows, unsecured windows. There wasn't even um, an extractor fan inside the kitchen. Okay. I uh, put stuff over the alarms to stop them going off when I was cooking. Okay, there are other there are other flats in that building, aren't there? Yeah, another three, uh, four, including mine. Okay, okay. So it was only after a little while um, because they had been cleaned and newly painted. But it was after a little while, a few months, that the dampness started to come through again, the water pouring down the ceiling. Uh, was it cold? Oh, very cold, yeah. Very, very, very cold. Um, I asked the landlord to even put insulation into the attic. I even went as far as asking him to buy the insulation and I'd put it into the attic myself. Yeah. Um, which the landlord actually never did. Okay, okay. So were you using masking tape then to trying to seal up the cracks and the leaks and the, and yeah, the water? Yeah, in the window there, it's like a small little pitch window. Um, like, it was MDF on the outside of the window, so there was that was rotten, crumbling away to nothing, and, uh, like, there was air getting straight through that. So I put, like, uh, tape up around... Okay. Where you could just to stop the air coming in. Okay, and uh, when I looked at when I looked at that from 2018 in the primetime investigates show, the stairs were in an awful condition. Uh, there was a chap on it at the time, he was talking about the stairs. The building was hazardous. There were holes in the floors and everything. Were they all repaired? Um, like there, he's capped on the stairs. Um, now I don't know if they were repaired underneath, but. Yeah. There is carpet there anyway. Okay. Um, so what, what was the rent? Do you mind me asking? The rent on the property was 1100 a month. 1100 a month just for your um, ceiling? Yeah, for, just, for your attic just for apartment. my place. There were, there were 1100 a month on each apartment. And how many apartments are there? There was four. So that's uh, 4400 a month for the four of them. Yeah, that's and, right. And yeah. are they all taken by Cork County Council? Uh, they were all provided to us uh, with the HAP. Okay, so they're yeah, HAP are paying it. And yeah. do you do you do you know if anybody from the County Council actually inspected your apartment or the other ones um, at all, or since that building came to the attention of Prime Time in two thousand and eighteen? Uh, as far as I know, and as far as I'm aware, no. Um, they're, they're like, I, I, they came out and inspected the property after I made the complaint. Okay, so let's deal with that. On, on the uh, In February of last year, is it? Yeah, uh, February. Of this year, is it, or last year? 
this year, this year. So on February 3rd, just gone, uh, the fire officer issued an order stating the property wasn't safe to be lived in. Did you call him or something or did you get on to the council or what? So basically, I made complaints uh, in relation to the property nine months ago to the landlord. Um, in, like He told me that the property would be sorted out and he'd fix it, which he never did. So I pursued that thing to the council and they sent the fire officer out. And he said that the property was a danger to life. And okay, just move around a little bit there, Paul. I'm losing a small bit. So the fire officer came out and went through your apartment, is it? No, he went through the whole building. Okay. Um, and he deemed it a danger to life and told us leave the property immediately. So everybody, all four apartments had to vacate immediately? Immediately, yeah. Uh, and contact uh, the council in regards to accommodation. So please note this building, and I have the notice here, this building is closed as per the direction of the Cork County Fire Officer. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. It was not safe to live in. Did he say any more than that? No, that's all he said. No, I asked him for a copy of uh, his report, and he refused to give me a copy of the report. He said that he'd only deal with the landlord's themselves so like like I've no proof of that or anything in regards to that um, so like the council then won't write anything up for me either um, they just ignore me really So what happened on the day the if you had to be out on the 3rd of February by 5 o'clock you and everybody else where did you all go? Uh, into the, the um, emergency accommodation inside in town um the APS, they gave us accommodation, so down the lower road, now I am in a and b And who's going to find alternative accommodation for you? It's supposed to be the place finder, but the place finder put us in there in the first place, so like there could be a chance that we could be put into a property again like that. Isn't €1,100 Euro a month an awful lot of money to be paying for a building that was condemned by the fire officer, like four thousand four hundred euro for the four of them, and condemned, deemed yeah, to be not like, safe to live in. Yeah, and like even making reports to the landlord as well and stuff. Like he's obligated to for standards and repairs of that property, which he never fixed or tried to sort out when the complaints were made to him. Yeah, I I, I see that in. Cork County Council, 96% of rental properties inspected by Cork County Council were deemed to be below standard. But yet, yeah, it's, yet, it's yet, in spite, yet in spite of 96% of them being deemed below standard, none of the properties were deemed unsuitable for letting. Can you follow that logic? It doesn't make sense at all. None. Did you have a fire extinguisher? Did you have a smoke alarm, carbon monoxide alarm? Uh, I did, but like that again, like it was a hazard even cooking food and stuff, you know, even leaving the oven on, like, because I had to cover them alarms. Because they just go off? They were going off constantly, and if it wasn't mine going off, it was somebody else's going off. And I also found that according to the Echo, the amount of properties inspected in the city were 2%. And the amount of properties inspected in the county were a 4%. Jesus, yeah. And then 
87% of those 4% didn't meet standards in the county and, uh, sorry, in the city, and 96% of the 4% in the county didn't meet standards. So what are people living in? Yeah, like, basically, the problem is, Neil, is that they're sending people into these properties and they're not inspecting the properties even before tenants go into them. So, like, they're supposed to inspect the property within the first six months of uh, tenancy, which I don't think is good enough when people like myself there now and other tenants that were living in the same building, when our lives are in danger. And not only our lives, our kids' lives are in danger. Did you have kids there as well, Paul, or were you flying solo? My own child, she's three, she's four now next month. And is she in B&B with you now also? No, she, she'd come from time to time. And okay, she visits and stays stuff. with you. Yeah, yeah. But would she, be, would she be coming over for visits to the B&B? Uh, they will not allow um, anyone into the B&B. It's just me. And do you mind me asking how long you were homeless for and what that was like? Um, I was homeless previous to getting that tenancy for three years. And where did um, you live? Where did you live? Um, I was in and out of the Vincent's Hostel. Um, I've been in and out of B&Bs. Um, couch suffering from friends and family at times, you know. It's, and had you, had you hoped that, uh, had you hoped that with this, this apartment down in East Cork that you were finally laughing, you'd have your own place? Yeah, I was. I was over the moon when I got it, but when the problems started to occur and stuff, and when I started making the complaints and things, things just started going downhill from there, and the situation now that I'm in again. Do you regret calling the fire officer? Um, like, no, because my life was in danger. That's the, exactly the right answer, Paul. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, because, no. you know, anything could have happened in there. If you're covering um, the smoke alarms because they could gone off with masking tape, God only knows what could happen in the middle of the night. Now, apparently, Cork City Council, um, they outsource to a private firm the inspections because they said they don't have the manpower or the time to do it themselves. I don't know if that's the same case with the county, uh, but they only inspect tiny amounts of them. And of the tiny amounts that they inspect, 96% is nearly 100% in the county are below standard. Do you want to know some of the other reasons why they say they're below standard? Well, they are inadequate ventilation, damaged windows, damaged doors, mould, mildew, lack of heating facilities, lack of smoke alarms, fire extinguishers, no fire blankets, no carbon monoxide monitors, no evacuation evacuation plan, uh, window restrictors, um, which is very dangerous if you can't get out or open the window. Um, And apparently, no certification for electrical systems or gas appliances. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's an absolute disgrace the way people have to live in this day and age. But they're paying top dollar for these places. They're paying, in your case, 1100 a month. Yeah, and the landlord wouldn't, he was afraid to put his hand in his pocket, really, to be honest. You know. Mother of God. So what? how long do you think you'll be in B&B? God only knows. There's... There's no time frame on how long you're there, but it's a, the only answer I'm getting off them is that it's not long term. 
It's not long term, but there's not a time frame. You can't say whether it's days, weeks, or months. Yeah, like I, there, there is, there is people in uh, the being behind staying, and, and they're there two years. The council will do nothing with them. Now, everyone's circumstances is different in there, so you know. Two years, is it? You said two years. Yeah. So, like that's the the day and age for living in like and those people that have been there for two years what do they do for cooking they can't cook it's even down to washing clothes they can't even can't even wash their clothes it's a joke it's not a funny joke if they're two years in a bed and breakfast bedroom and do they have to be out by day no they stay there during the day if they want to but like basically you can't cook and you can't wash your clothes basic things in life you can't do and you know the, the fact that you're in a B&B and the other people in the same building have all been um, they're all gone because the fire officer said that it was uh, on an unsafe building but what happened to all of your gear like all of your clothing your personal belongings I'm sure you had everything. a television and stuff like that no everything is inside the apartment no I can't I couldn't take it because like the B&B that I'm in you couldn't swing a cat inside it so how do you know that your property is safe and secure? Sorry, what was that? How do you know that everything that you own is safe and secure? I don't know that. I don't know it. Do you know? Do you think that the county council and the city council, for that matter, because both of their sets of figures are very similar, are doing a good enough job? No, no. Far from it. They're not inspecting buildings. So they don't yeah, inspect like, them, but yet when the fire officer goes in, he closes them down. It was condemned before, so like there's, there's serious questions that need to be answered in regards to this property, like with all of us being in there and stuff. You know, with notices already on the building, why were we put in there in the first place? What notices were on the building prior to you moving in there? Uh, there was a safety notice on the building before we moved in there. But may, the county council. So they were aware of this property way before you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know whether work was done to allow the landlords to rent them again? There was definitely no work done inside there because the fire officer came again um, the other day, inspected the place and told us leave. He said he, he re- re- reenacted the old... Um, safety notice that was not put in it in 2018 I think there's very soft money made by landlords who don't give a damn and I think city council and county council don't check and vet properties enough before they put families into them and pay big money in rent I just don't think it's good enough no like the policy in the city council and the county council need to change because when tenants are going into these properties and they're getting inspected, they're getting thrown out and put back, put into emergency accommodation. And emergency accommodation is not a nice place to be put into. No, no. Do you know? So you think on that basis the councils are willing to take anything? Well, the way it's looking is that they're crossing off the number on the list. I know. To make themselves look good. And are you looking out for somewhere now? You still have haps, or are you always looking? Well, I I don't want to be in emergency accommodation, you know. So I I have to have to look, you know. Have to. Okay. 
Okay. Well, listen, good luck with that. If we hear of anything, we'll be in touch with you. But there's so many people looking these days, there's very few supply. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. It's, it's deadly you now to get a place. All right, pa- listen, Paul, look after yourself. Uh, stay in touch. Neil, thanks very much, bye. All right, Paul, cheers. All the best. Thanks. Bye, bye, bye. Text the Neil Brenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Just a couple of things. I will come back after 10 to the city and county's um, inspection rates uh, on properties and the types of properties that they're putting individuals, couples, families into uh, right across uh, Cork City and County. I will come back to that. And also with regards to cuckoo funds and pension funds and all this kind of caper, I have a call in to uh, the Minister, Michael McGrath, to see if he can defend it, if it can be changed, if he's happy with it, because it certainly seems to be very inequitable to me. But just on that point, Amy, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for taking the call. Now, you have experience of bidding and attending uh, viewings of houses and homes that you wanted to buy. Pick up on that. So we're going back a few years, is it? Uh, yeah, so four years ago, um, <coughs> four years ago, I started looking to, to buy my own house, and I'm a single parent. Just move so around I'm... a bit there, Amy, because it's not a great phone line. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, let's go for it, yeah. Okay. Oh, um, four years ago, I was looking to buy a house. Uh, now, I'm a single parent, so firstly, for me to get a mortgage on my own was ridiculously hard. Um, I ended up getting declines by every single bank except one, and the bank were offering me enough to buy a fancy mobile home. Um, I ended oh up God. going through a mortgage broker um, and I don't know how he did it, but he got me like um, just over three and a half times my earnings. Uh, again, I wasn't asking questions because, you know, I was taking what money I could get. And were you always I, being refused because of the fact that it was a single salary and you were on your own, is it? So, yeah, what they do, and this is actually another point then as well, so it's a bit backwards. So if I go into the bank there, they say, oh, you're a single parent, so we're going to deduct your uh, monthly income by X amount of money because you need that to look after your child. Um, And I'm like, okay, you know, completely understand that. But they don't take uh, children's allowance into account. They don't add that in. They don't, they don't allow that to be added. And if you're getting maintenance payments, they don't allow that to be included either because they, their argument is that that money is for the child. And I, I understand that, but why are you deducting me when there's money already there? Um, but yeah, so essentially they, they, they don't take anything else into account other than what your income is and they're deducting that regardless of what other income that you have. And I wonder, do they do that to um, couples as well, that they deduct um, everything that they need to survive from the salary and then ba- or the two salaries and then they base the mortgage accordingly? I wonder. That, as far as I'm aware, that's exactly what they do. Yeah. Right, okay, okay. So they really have tightened... Uh, the rules in that one. So you ended up with three and a half times your salary, okay? Yeah. With those so, deductions. Um, now, obviously, it was, you know, with a single person um, wage, that's still not a significant amount of money. So um, I went on to an online auction. I bid on one property. I ended up getting outbid massively on that. There was a lot of people bidding for this property. Um, from what I know, that was purchased by a family that have bought the house for their own home. Um, a second property that I went to, I bid. Um, I outbid everybody. I significantly, I think, by eighteen thousand, I outbid people. Um, and the uh, the auctioneer stopped returning my calls, stopped giving me updates, and two months later returned with uh, another offer that was put on the table. 
Um, now I ended up I couldn't I couldn't match that person's bid. So although you were eighteen thousand ahead of any other bid, everything went yeah. dark, and then he came back with somebody who outbid your eighteen thousand increase. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, now that person ended up buying it for a family home as well. Um, so you know, again, you know, I, I took that on the chin, um, and then I found a beautiful house. I was the only person interested just because it was outside uh, town areas. It was kind of a bit outside a commuting area and there was no other interested parties. And all of a sudden there was an extra person popped up, which was a person from the UK that wants to purchase the property as a holiday home. And I, I had offered full asking price and it was a few weeks later that this, English person came in and um, outbid me. So, like, and I don't believe I don't, they'd even come to view the house or anything. No, they hadn't. No, no, it was all done um, online. It was all emails with the the auctioneer because the auctioneer told me that this person had just seen photographs online and has offered, um, I think, like fifteen thousand over the asking price. Now, the asking price was me at my eighteen thousand you know, ahead. Yeah, yeah, like the the one the one for this place with me completely maxed out using um, all of the mortgage, all of my own savings, and, you know, I, I had nothing else to offer on it. But the fact that I've lost, that I lost that house, which was, um, you know, pretty close to, like, my family, etc. Yes, I know, I know. Do you, do you believe that people shouldn't be able to outbid families for holiday homes? Definitely not. Not, not, with the, not with the crisis that we have, not with the way the current um, country is in, in, in the sense of people. So that fighting. home you're saying or that house would be closed for most of the year, whereas you'd be living in it all year, yeah? Exactly, you know what I mean? I would have been putting back into the local community, I would have been going to the local shops, I would have been going to the local garages, petrol yeah. stations, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, where... Even even down to you know paying for the electricity and you know the the cost the heating yeah et cetera, yeah local community buying in shops petrol stations you know all of the things that come with having a home in in a village or in a community please tell me you got somewhere eventually um, I did so um, eventually I I managed to get a place but like I'm I'm seventy five minutes drive from my family yeah. Um, and I'm and that's Killarney like isn't it that's Killarney when you think of it longer even yeah and that's that's each way so that's you know um, it's like I spend three hours commuting every day now Um, you know like look I I mean I have a home you know I, I have a comfortable mortgage but it does come with the sacrifice, and then, which when you're looking at the the rising cost of fuel now, yes, it's costing me a ridiculous amount of money every single week just to commute to and from work. Yes, because the price of housing is pushing people further out rural, and then they're getting caught with with fuel now. I know it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Amy, thanks for taking the call. Look after yourself. Appreciate it. Uh, on top of that, when she talks about fuel, actually, Amy is right because it was telling you yesterday that uh, Shell have posted. Uh, year on profits of 16 billion for last year and BP have posted profits of 18 billion uh, for last year. Now, it might be the other way around. I, know, I just know that those two figures are accurate, 16 and 18 billion uh, for Shell and uh, BP. So there's no shortage in the profit department in spite of fuel costs going through the roof. We're back after 10. Please text 0868 104 106. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Okay, three-car pileup, uh, an accident on McCurtain Street this morning is causing major delays, I'm told. Uh, there's Gardy at the scene, so bear that in mind. I hope everybody is okay. Right across this week, in association with the Cork International Hotel, we have uh, wonderful prizes to give away. 
one night stay for two people, welcome drinks, breakfast, three course dinners, private cinema screening with the sweet treats and everything when you have a munch at the movies. You can also change the dinner to their wonderful Sunday lunch that they have at the International Hotel at the airport. So all of that this week based on your stories about love and romance and Valentines and proposals. Um, and uh, get texting on those ones. Text 0868104106 if you have a love story to share. We'd love to hear from you. Um, back to the phone lines. We got very busy this morning, so we'll jump in and out of texts and emails a, a little later on. Sandra, good morning. Good morning, Neil. All right, so I'm good, thank you. I'm picking up on the conversation I had with Tommy Gould and also with poor old Paul, who had to leave his apartment because it was shut by the fire officer. Anyway, go ahead. What, what's your situation? Yeah, I... Um I, I'm a small bit nervous now. And, You're grand. Um, We're only chatting. Go ahead. Work as well. Um, okay. I suppose, just as you said there, picking up on everything that Tommy Gould said and picking up on your other guests with regard to fire inspections and everything like that. Um, and, you know, you, as Tommy spoke about there, he was mentioning about very high rent being a cause of eviction. Yeah. And, and of course, that's historical. That's normal in one sense. But... In my own head, I am coming to a conclusion that there are other reasons also for evictions, and one is one that I am myself personally involved in at the moment. Um, And my own conclusion of late has been, and and now this morning is kind of reinforcing that belief in my head, you know, that is there the individual landlord, is he or she being sort of shifted out of the landscape um, in a way that is, is creating space for the likes of these vulture funds, investment funds, pension funds. Are you saying that landlords are selling up, is it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And my own Why would they sell up, here, I wonder? What would be the point when would, big rent is well, to be made? In, for all, I suppose for many of the reasons that both of your guests alluded to there, but in my own situation, which is, you would think is a little bit strange, um, and again, this is a personal opinion, um, but in my own case, I have been renting a house for nine years, what I would consider a perfectly fine house, always had a very good relationship with my landlord and um, in the last two or three years I've been involved with HAP and everything has been going very well and we had our Cork City Council inspection um, in the 9th of December. Now that involved a lady who um, the company actually was outsourced to a Dublin company. Yes, oh, both um, county councils um, outsource yeah. the actual inspections to private yes, firms. They do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I found that out through personal yeah, experience. I yeah. wouldn't have known that. And a date was arranged or whatever. And the date for me in my house was the 9th of December. Right. That inspection was carried out. I was, I was, um, started to on the phone that I would be expected to stay outside the building. Yes. Now I explained, so I worked from home, but I could certainly stay in my room where I do my work and that was agreed to be okay. The inspection involved this lady arriving. She asked me, had I anything to report about the house? And I said no. And I left her carry on. She went upstairs. She spent a considerable amount of time, I would have thought, for an ordinary three-bedroom house um, upstairs. And she came down and carried out the rest, took photographs with her with her tablet. And when she left, she did mention some other things that I, I won't go into that just now, but she did say to me that when she'd be finished, she would send a report to Cork City Council and to the landlord. But no, she didn't indicate sense. anything to you? 
Um, she she did indicate one thing. Um, now though we had I had gone through the house with the landlord prior. He just okay. came, double checked that we had the fire yeah. through the fire. You know, as the, the fire extinguisher okay. the, and the alarms that we that was all in order, and they would have always have been all yeah. right. But yeah. she did indicate in my kitchen. Um, there's sort of the paint is peeling a little bit over the the cooker hob kind of thing. All right, we won't and dwell on that. Should, that's cosmetic. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. But it's it's purely aesthetic. But what we're saying is that in your in your eyes and the landlord's eyes, the house was fine. They're your words, not mine. Fine. Now yeah. I'm living in the house, and, I and you're there nine time. years. So she sent uh, a report to city council. Anyway, the report yeah. went to the city council. I would presume Neil and to and um, to the landlord. I had no more. Um, communication with them because I was not involved and I'm not I wasn't to be sent anything to do with the report all I know is that I on the 27th of December I got a phone call from my landlord to say that that the landlord and his family or whatever have decided now that they no longer want to rent the house and he's I'm not going to go into the details no no that's fine and I I would prefer if you didn't a proper and legal and very acceptable um, reason why but it is my conclusion that that perfectly good landlord decided, do you know what now? This is too much. I'm presuming that he got, and of course I am presuming, Neil, because I don't have access to the letter that he was sent or report or whatever. But I'm assuming that he got a list of things to do to the house that he just, he's just an ordinary person. I know. Does, you you didn't know, ask him, you didn't ask him for the reason. You know, I think I'm kind of, I, I still haven't gotten around to talking to him. You're upset. You know? You're upset by yeah. that. I wonder, I wonder, was that the reason? I mean, you know, like, for instance, you said she only mentioned bed of pain peeling over the extractor. Yeah, but you would she think, did, you know, yes, but you know what, I mean, I interrupt you. I've gone around to some of the estate agents um, where I live and to another town the way for me that I'm, I'm prepared to go and live there, you know. And when I was in, they were all so nice to me, I have to say. And they were really very nice and receptive. But they knew about this particular aspect of this. Of the, it's a little thing now. You'd actually laugh if I tell you what it is. It was mentioned to me, oh, yes, you'd need to get vents in your window. Vents, now, this is, now you're talking. Now, in the, in the oh, okay, so that's what was picked up on. Yeah, there are that was, one no, of the most. One thing. Yeah, but one of the, the most the, common reasons for failure is inadequate ventilation. And that would mean, like, house isn't so. There's nothing. So that would be a big job if ventilation had to be put in through all of the windows. I would imagine. And you see, I don't know what else. Did she say there was ventilation needed in the rest of the house? I don't know. I know. I know. I know. You know. So, but the 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 estate agents that I've spoken to in my area, and as I said, in another town nearby, they were aware of these kind of reports. They were reported because they're obviously dealing with these landlords where some of them are actually selling up, you know. That could be the reason that many are getting out. Mind you, yeah. I, the, 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 the numbers don't stack up because they found that, say, for instance, in the county council, 96% of the private rented properties yes, inspected by Cork County Council don't meet yeah. standards. Now, these are private rented properties that Cork County Council put tenants into. So 96% of them failed minimum standards. But despite that, none of them were deemed unsuitable for letting. It makes no sense. So maybe it's yeah, a case I of just, we will I deem wonder. them unsuitable. We will deem them suitable as long as you do the repair work. 
Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I just wonder how is the letter worded? You know, like you sort of, it's the report was done on the 9th. That was a fairly quick turnaround, really. Is Are the reports inspected by somebody else are they signed off by somebody else or are they just sent the way that they're written and do you think the Um, tenants should get to see these reports well they should because you know there might be something that even the tenant could sort of fix you know I know yeah and and inspection companies might be might be paying a little bit too much attention to minute detail not realising that their report will evict people from their homes but you see, are they getting paid as well? You know, based are. on the results and well, stuff. Well, I don't, you know? I don't know. I mean, eighty-seven percent is a huge, is a, is a huge. Eighty-seven uh, percent in the that? county, yes, yeah. 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 City, no, 87% in the city, 96% in the county. In the county, yeah. So, uh, you, clearly it still hurts, but have you somewhere to go? No, I don't. I'm I'm looking. I've I've said it. I'm sort of putting the word out to people who I think might you know know of something. I'm going out to estate agents and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a worrying time for you, Sandra. It is. It is. You know, people feel so helpless listening to your conversation because there's so few properties around. You know, it's the thing. I know. I know. I know. And then I know. You see, not they don't all want to have them either. You know. I know. I know. I wish you all the best of luck. If I hear of anything, I'll be back to you. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, do you know what I was saying to the person that rang me initially there from my message to you? You know, as I said to your researcher, I do uh, keep on top of the news and, you know, I am interested in social issues, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that that, that headline this morning triggered something in me because I would hate to think that that's our future for the island of Ireland. That's... You know, that our grandchildren are going to end up having to rent huge extortionate amounts, you know, paying loads, huge extortionate amounts of money for a house in in one of the estates that we're very familiar with now because they're owned by some pension fund in Canada, a bit like the Lotto Fund or something. And our our government is allowing it. I know. And has been facilitating it. I know. All these years. Yeah, let's see what Michael McGrath has to say on the matter. But um, best of luck to you, Sandra. Thank you so much for taking the call. Thank you so much. Thank you. What can I say? Absolutely nothing following that. Ed, good morning. Uh, Good morning, Neil. Okay. Um, You wanted to pick up on this? Um, Well, I suppose the the one person that seems to take all the flack on this are, are, are the people that are renting. And I don't think that they have enough protection because well, protection against what? Against uh, rising well, or exorbitant well, well, asking prices for uh, rent? That, that, that lady saying about standards and then of course about the availability and um, the standards can be very low but the prices are always very high. And this is what saddens me is that Invariably, what's happening is that it's either the, the people who can't either buy a house or get a house, they're having to pay high rent. And if it isn't just high rent, then it's, they either have to go home or, in some cases, they can't go to college. And that was my situation, where a young girl went to college was renting a, a, a room in a, a, a student house on O'Donovan's Road and found it very, when she was leaving the house, firstly, when they were setting up bills, 
there was a 60 euro COVID clean. COVID clean? Yeah, COVID clean. And why in the name of God would a tenant have to pay that to clean a room for the next well, tenant? Well, well, this lady went into the room and she left it, when she left the room, cleaner than what it was. And does that, they're probably caught in the sense that that 60 euro room clean came out of the deposit, did it? Well, you know, that's the other side. She still owed 180 euros for the last two or three months, and she can't get it. Why? Well, because, well, I'll tell you why. She left the property because the property wasn't being managed correctly. It was a multi-unit sort of house. There was eight rooms in it. She was paying 165 euros a week. A week? Plus For the room? A week. What do you hear this? Plus nearly 17 euros or 18 euros or 20 euros for whatever comes, the electricity. Ed, you're telling me she's paying a thousand euro a month for the bedroom and access to the well, kitchen. Well, Neil, eight Neil, times this, that is eight thousand euro. Absolutely. There's eight rooms in this house. Eight thousand a month? Mother of God. A twelve is the guts of hundred grand a year. Now, <sighs> not being able to get her money back when this girl is a student, and I know this is happening way too often, where, where the landlords hold on to some reason to not give back their money. And it's shocking. And I tell you, this gentleman on O'Donovan's Road, under no circumstances am I going to allow him to hold 180 euros of my daughter's money. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Small claims court is the place for you. Well, it's shocking what they're doing to these people. It's, it's not fair, Neil. And I would not... You know what? Do unto others as you would like to have done onto yourself. You'd wish, wouldn't I you? I went into it to see a house one day, Neil, and the amount of mould in it, I wouldn't have put a chicken in it. Don't you think, though, that supply and demand has that knock-on effect? If there's more demand for supply, then those that are being supplied have to put up with a lower standard for higher well, prices okay, okay. subsequently. So lower standard, and, and let's look at the mould, the lower standard creates that black mold on the wall which creates this toxic mold syndrome which creates chronic disease. Yes, and you're coming from at that chestiness to yeah. saying you said it, it's not fair. I would not give somebody if I was cooking something for something for somebody, I wouldn't give it to them raw. I'm going to give it to them the way either they want it or the way I would like to cook it well for them. I'm not talking about overdoing it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I would no, not I like to give you a room or a dirty plate or a dirty handkerchief. I want to give you what I would be happy with myself. Where in humanity have we lost this ability to be decent, look after people, make sure they're healthy, I'm happy. I know, I know. It's shocking. Well said, Ed, well said. 
Listen, do stay in touch with regards to your daughter, will you? I'd like to hear an update on that story. Well, I, I, I will not let this go. This gentleman has a house on O'Donovan's okay. Road, okay. and I want my daughter to get her money back. I okay. really do, and I will go to court. Okay, Ed. Stay in touch. Thank you. Text 0868104106. So what do we know? Well, we know that a billion a year is being spent by the state on HAP. We know that in our own case, in Cork City Council and Cork County Council, the uh, properties that were inspected fall way below standard. We know that in the county, 96% of rental properties that Cork County Council use to put tenants in were below standard, 96%. We also know that in spite of that figure, none of them were deemed by the council to be unsuitable for letting. But wait for it. Of all of the properties, right, of all of the properties that Cork County Council use, of all of them, and there are many, um, 32, nearly 33,000 rent, private rental properties in, in Cork County and 20,000 of those are in the city. So of all of those, only 4% of them were actually even inspected. So it was only 4% of the rental properties that were inspected. And of that 4%, 96% of them in the, in the, in the county were deemed to be below standard. Um, nearly 90% of those inspected in the city were found to be below standard. 87% were below standard. But would you believe that that 87% below standard only represented checking and inspecting 2% of the properties? Only 2% of them were inspected. So what in the name of God are people living in? The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. All right, text 0868104106. Linda, Linda standing by, Derek standing by, Helen as well. First up, John, good morning. Good morning, Neil, and to your listeners. I won't keep you long. I know you're under pressure. Go ahead. So, um, my essential um, point there, listening, I've no vested interest whatsoever just listening in the conversation. In general, to do business in Ireland, it's high cost. Um, If you look at the renting situation, if you, I often thought about maybe investing in a house. And if you go to any accountant, they will tell you, we'll say, if you look at the pie chart, or we'll say the circle, the cake. Yeah. We put it in simple terms on the kitchen table, the cake. The government takes 52%. And here is the crux of the problem, I think. The higher the rent goes, the higher the 52% the government takes. I think that's linked in with the problem. Okay, so when you say 52%, what is that? VAT, excess duty, stamp duty, what is it? it, it, it tax it's on rental income? You, you you can get some expenses you know, you have to pay out yes for expenses that are legitimate in the house that can be reduced somewhat. So are you talking about fifty two percent of a rental property? Is it? Yeah. So from an initial, if you invest in, in a property, the government will will from a start off they're taking fifty two percent. They're not taking it if, from cuckoo funds or or vulture funds. I couldn't tell you about that. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But if, from a layman's view of it, I've inquired about it. And oh, yeah, that, that is assuming that you're a landlord who registers with the RTB and returns your tax. Not all of them do either of those things. Okay, let's say if you're to go the right way. And the right in way. general, to do business in Ireland, it's very high cost. Yeah. So assuming that is the situation, 52%, the government is taking the bigger slice or let's say we go half. So if if you if you look at people say, oh, the landlord is getting a thousand euro, it's getting two thousand, or they're loaded 
should it have to be making a pile? Well, they would be making a pile if you have if you have eight students on a college road in a college road house, all paying a grand a month each for a bedroom. But There's, divide that by half, straight, Neil. It's take still, some expenses out of it. It's still fifty grand a year if you half it in in uh, in tax free and in, in tax after tax. Take your take your costs. Start taking your costs then out of it. What are they? The tenants paying the utilities. They even charge the such students to clean the room. It, I mean, it, it's a bit like anything, Neil. As, as you rise standards, and that is good, and that's welcome. It costs to do that. So if you've only forty eight percent to work off of, well, then that's only what's there. Like you can't make any more than what's there in in the slice of the cake. Okay. So do you also believe that it's in the government's interest to keep rents high because the higher they are, the more tax they get from them? They do, yeah, okay. they do. Okay. And okay. and I think that they could do something more on that side. It's just high cost to try and make money in any job in Ireland. I'm self-employed, and it's hard to make money legitimately. Okay, okay, by the and, book. And that's yeah. the same for renting. I I I I do will say, will say sympathise on both sides. But, like, is there enough money to, to make it work? And I don't think there really is. Okay. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Did anybody pick up on one of the points yesterday made by one of the callers? And we were talking about Valentine stuff and weddings, where she said at the wedding, all of the wedding suppliers that she had hired to do all of the different things, the wedding, all wanted cash. And she said that she had loads of envelopes that she put under the pillow and then lost them for a while and found them again. And each of the envelopes was full of cash. I, I kind of picked up on that and I'm not having a go at the industry in any way, shape or form. I'm just saying that anybody find that remarkable that those that were providing the different services wanted cash. I mean, they say cash is king. Yeah, and it's good to have some folding stuff in your pocket. Mind you, everybody's revoluting and using debit cards now, but that's for another day. Uh, Helen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How now, are you? you're looking at this from the perspective of a landlord or an ex-landlord, so go ahead. Okay. So, I'll tell you now. Ended up being a landlord, okay? Yeah. I, it, was, it was a house that I originally was, it was my own house that I originally was living in. Yeah. So, we rented it out. Now, Neil, this was a new bungalow. We had a lot of money put into it, and um, this was a beautiful house. And rented it. Now, rented it out uh, through the social welfare for a good while and then ended up renting it out into HAP as well. Now, in regards to HAP, you have to have €10,000 you receive first, okay, before you get your inspection. What do you mean so, £10,000? What's that about? 10000 10, So, you, like like every house when you rent, you register with the PRTB. Yeah. And you when you register up in with the HAP as well, so I didn't know all these inspections were coming up because I just registered up with HAP. So what they just sent me out a letter stating, looking for my tax clearance, sir. Right. And I sent that in. Yeah. And then they sent me out a letter stating that um, once you have 10,000 received in rent, you'll be due an inspection. Oh, thank you for that. That clarifies. So the inspection came along then? So the inspection came along. And I had a man and a woman came. And I'm not choking you, Neil. It's like that I never owned the house. They nearly asked me to step outside while they did the inspection. And that's what I did. Mm. And as a person inside in their own property, I felt that 
oh my God, you know what, it was, you know, that they were taken over and that was it. You don't think so that maybe they didn't want you there because they they wanted to be independent of you, that you might be buttoned in, making excuses for things and that they just wanted to clinically go through the house quietly? Well, may, maybe so, maybe so. But when they came out, they said that they'd send me out a report. And I said, well, I said, was everything okay? You'll get a report in the post. I said, fine, okay. So I got out my report and it was two pages long. Right. How long did it take, incidentally, Helen? It took up, oh, the, the inspection? Yeah. God, Neil, they're inside there. I'd say for a good hour, I'd say. Okay, okay. Do they have any equipment with them or, or what? They did. They had stuff that they put up against the walls, yeah. To check for da- meters and stuff, is it scan, scanners or checking for damage? I presume so. Okay, okay. I don't, I really don't know. I mean, you know, they were taking notes and everything and, you know, looking around and around outside. Now, then I got my um, my uh, in- inspection report in the post and the first thing I looked at, I said, oh my God, it was the ventilation. Now, when I put in double glazing, you know the way the windows and they, they have ventilation in the windows? They do. Sometimes it's um, small little st- strips that you can twist. There are little vents and things. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. They weren't suitable enough. So I had to put ventilation into the walls. So I said, right, okay, next one. Because I only had new windows. Now, the windows would only have been less than 12, 13 years old, right? They were double glazing. And on, in the windows, they said the opening wasn't right for a fire escape. And I said, oh, my God, I have to replace my windows. And then the next one, then I looked. And because I had an old fence in the back, right? And the fence was kind of, you know, it it was just, I suppose, it was kind of coming down or whatever. And they told me I had to replace the fence, put up a new fence. So I said to them, I said, I'm not putting up no new fence, I said. I put up Grisolini hedging there, I said. I said, I don't need to put up new fencing. I said, you want me to replace the windows? I said, why do you want me to replace the windows, I yeah, said. Yeah. And I said, like, that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Considering and the I passive said, houses now, you know the passive houses that have been built? They have, they yes. have no, they have no um, vents at all on any windows. Now, they have a different type of ventilation system, but um, they don't have any of those vents on the windows. Anyway, just, yeah. just the point. In fact, now, in fact, they're completely sealed units. Yes. Now, this is what I'm saying now. So, as you know, I went to the elections. I went out there canvassing, right? And I went to all these states around me town and all that. And, Neil, I'll be honest with you. My heart broke because I brought a notebook with me. And I nearly had my notebook filled from all the, the accounts I was getting from council houses. They were damp. There was not running water, broken windows, or the windows weren't closing properly. The amount of stuff that I got was unbelievable. I went back to the HAP and I said, I'm going to challenge these now. So I said to myself that I was out, I said, and I'm after putting through a load of, um, you know, questions into the council for to get uh, people's um, housing done and for the houses to be complete. And I said, will you tell me, I said, how come, I said, the building standards, I said, of you being the HAP and the Cork County Council are different. Oh, he said, we'd be higher standards, he said, in the Cork County Council. Than the people who so build the houses. These are the, the HAP yeah. crowd now are, yeah. are more of a higher standard than the Cork County Council. And I said, are you telling me? So I said, there's people, I said, tenants, I said, in Cork County Council, houses, I said. And I said, they are not getting, I said, the right, adequate, you know, 
of of everything of of you know of of building standards than what you're telling me to do because they're older seven. because they're older houses I understand that but there's doesn't I mean like okay so the, you got this letter right saying that you had to do the windows and the vents and the fencing and all sorts of stuff yes. like that um, so that would cost you money um, mm-hmm. did they, so that was deemed to be um, below standard then your property wasn't it. Yeah. Okay. It, it, like yes. So did, so you got the report. Um did yes. the council ever come back and say you need to do this work or we'll withdraw half yes. or did any- they came back then and they said to me, have I completed? Oh, no, I said, I have not completed, I said. And I said, I won't be completing it either, I said, because I said, I'm not willing, I said, to spend all this money, I said, on a house, I said, that I know is this, I said, for purpose. Okay. So what I'm planning on doing, I said, I'm planning on selling. Right. Oh, oh, and, and where are you going to put the tenants? Don't worry, I said, I'll try and get them housed. And if not, I said, sure, I said, to be up to you, I said, or whatever. I yeah, and what's this says about? To house them, I said. And he turned around and he said to me, he said, oh, he said, you know now, he said, you know, tenants have more rights now than, than landlords. And I said, I understand that. I said, but I said, just let me know. I said, this is my house. I said, and I can do what I said. You what can I sell want. it said, if you want. Yeah. No, I'm no I disrespect to your tenants, but did you talk him down then? What did he say? Um, he said, I can give you another, I can give you another few months, he said, to complete it. I said, don't worry about it. I said, because I said, I'll have it sold. I said, within then, I said. Was that the end of the conversation? That was the end of the conversation. Yeah. And did you sell it? I did. And what happened to the um, tenants? I actually housed them well before I sold it. All right. It. Okay. Okay. I housed, it well, well, I housed them well before I sold it. Okay. All right. Because... And when you I went was, around canvassing for the locals, you met loads of people in half properties, county council properties, that had all sorts of tales of woe about where they were living. Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. And they get onto their council and they tell them, you know, there's this and there's that and there's no one coming back to them or there's no one doing anything. Okay. All right. Can you let, can you let me move on, Helen? Thank you so much for that. It's very informative. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Thank back you. after the break. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818104106. Yes, indeed. Neil, didn't you have rental properties yourself? Wouldn't you be able to answer the questions much better than anyone asking and let the public know yes I was uh, for many many years uh, not anymore now um, I wanted to kind of get down debt and pay off debt and stuff like that so um, I, I parked all of that um, but I was always registered with the RTB always returned everything for taxation purposes obviously and and if you're asking me I control the rents all of the time I never ever in one or two of the cases one or two of the properties actually put the rents up at all I had long tenants and was very happy with it and uh, you know uh, from time to time, when people moved out, if the rent went up, it went up only by tiny little amounts. I was never gouging anybody. I'm only answering the question. Um, I can't talk about those uh, landlords that are doing the business up around uh, College Road or renting rooms or anything like that. I know nothing about any of that stuff. So um, I'm, I learn about that on the air, just like listeners learn about that on the air. But what do we do? Actually, I'll tell you what, I'll come back and recap on things in a minute. Dennis has been holding an agent. I want to apologize to him firstly. Dennis, good morning. Thanks for holding on. I appreciate it. Good morning, Ian. Thank you so much. Now, you're a landlord, so you're there front and centre. What, what, what do you make of what the conversation we've been having this morning? Yeah, I suppose, Neil, your last two clients have probably stolen all my points. But, again, there's so many organisations involved in the renting. You've the landlord, you've had, you've the council, you've you've all these other organisations. Mm. And every one of them have a different system. Mm. They are answerable to nobody but themselves. I've had the same problems that last lady had where 
these people came out, they wanted X, Y, and Z done. And when, when they let, were leaving the house that day, I said, right, how long do I have? If I will do X, Y, and Z, will you sign off, give me a search to say, oh, God, no. That has nothing to do with us. We're just telling you what we want done. I said, that's fine. Yeah. But I want a search from you and your organization to say I comply with all the rules and regulations that you've written down in this letter. And no way right or wrong would they give me any letter to say it, that I complied. Um, uh, they, what they probably would have done is come back and re-inspect it again, is it? Well, I, I have no issue with them, with, them, yeah. with them inspecting. Then I had another tenant who complained that the house was cold, there was dampness, this, that and the other, and the uh, hat rang me to say they were making an inspection. I said, no problem. I met him on the day at the apartment. Um, the, the tenant at the time wasn't in the building. Um, she had gone out for the money or whatever, so we had made an arrangement to go in. She had no issues. The, the man from the half called could find nothing wrong. No dampness, no cold, no nothing. And he showed me the pictures that she had sent of the dampness. Yeah. We don't even know where the house was. It wasn't even your it property. It wasn't even my So what property. was motivating her to do that, I wonder? Because she was in an agreement with me and Hap. She was only with me for three months. In a one-bedroom apartment, she had a child, and she wanted a house. Oh, she was being given a house yeah. now, but she couldn't get out of her, her agreement with me. And that was the reason. I'm binded by my agreement with HAP. Yeah. I can't throw the tenant house, so I expect HAP to honor their side of it and not let her walk away. And when the, okay, so that was the reason behind what she was doing. But, you know, with regards to the inspection, did, you know, where they came inspected the property, they saw the property, did, did they find much significantly wrong? No, 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 no. A bit like what that lady's saying. Just looking at stupid things. You know, things that really, really made no sense. But the you know ventilation is important with regards to carbon monoxide and things like that. Yes, yes, Evacuation I, I of a building's that. important if you're caught in a room and you can't get out a window, I suppose. Fire escape, yes. I understand all that side of it. I, I try to keep everything to the letter of the law and I have no problem with anybody coming out inspecting my properties. Okay, but okay. Again, it's the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. They were law to themselves. I rented a house one time to a girl, and when it came, I needed to move her on. Okay? There was, bit, there was an issue with the family there, and so on and so forth. All we right. together, were involved. We moved her on. But prior to moving her on and giving her months of notice, she vandalized my house. Vandalized it. I could send you the pictures, Neil, where she burnt the banisters off the stairs. Good God. Painted the bedrooms, half walls, in a deep blue, black, sort mint. I think we spent in around five and a half, nearly six thousand. Because it was black paint, yeah, I know, I know. She had, she, was, she had, a, ven- she had a vendetta. Yeah, yeah. She, yes, exactly. She'd been there for years, but this was a problem with the guards. That she was just creating a bit of aggravation. Right. And we needed to move around. And I give, I give her all the time in the world to find a new place. And it backfired on me. But I was kind of staying good in with the guards. You know, I didn't want any issues. Yeah, I know. So you just wanted it. And, and it. and it backfired on me. And, and again, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. When I, come, when I went to HAP about this and the council address, nothing to do with them. It's an agreement that I had with the tenants. That's yeah, what I so was they, they pick and choose what they want to get involved in um, or what they regulate exactly. for. But anything else exactly. then, well, well that's, a te- that's a tenant issue. Deal with that yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. And like, if you turn around, like the lady said there, and, and, and put the gun to there and say, yeah, I'll put them out. Okay, have you, many, have you many properties, Dennis? I've I, I, three properties. Okay, 
Okay. But one thing's for sure anyway, you can be sure of one thing. The rent on those properties are just going up year on year on year on year, surely. Yes, I suppose, and I I won't tell a lie, in various places, yes. Cox City, the bigger towns, I'm only in in, in a small town, and my rent, and I'd be straight up, my three-bedroom house, I get 950 a month from the hat. Yeah. There's a girl there and a child, and I get 950 for it. It's great money, but I'm in the high bracket. So while your, your politician your or TD, whoever was on there earlier on, was saying that, oh, that he'd do everything in his power and when they'll get into power that they do everything for the tenant, they will, of course, because I'm paying half of that 950 to keep him in the good job that he has and his state car and all the other perks that he takes to him. Yeah, Tommy Gould doesn't have a state car, but I know what you're saying. A lot of them do. A lot of uh, ministers. Right, he, he mightn't have the state car, but he's claiming all his expenses. So, yeah. so they've skin in the game, the government, really. Um, they, they would be against any controls because 52% of it a lot of the time is going in tax. Exactly. And that's, yeah. that's where I'm caught. No, I bought into this. I bought into it in the, in, in the boom. I worked six days a week. I long have my rental properties. That was the lifestyle choice that I took. Yeah. I'd be paying back for them for a long, long time to come. But you're, you're kind of not, you're kind of not paying the back. Your tenants are. Right. Yeah. And, and again, Neil, the thousand pound a month to get. I guess I'm left with four fifty of that. I know what you're saying, yeah. But in the so, city, in the city, you'd be more inclined to be paying. Washing machine breaks. I must replace the washing machine. I must replace the cooker. I must fix the shower. Yeah. I must fix, fix, fix. If there is an issue, which I have no problem with. It, in in today's society, if it was my own children go out in the morning, I would tell them, don't for under any circumstances go to the bank to borrow money, rent a house. Are you crazy? Why do you say that? I, because of the uh, because of the responsibilities of the landlord? Because of everything, because of the overheads and everything that's tied on them. But it's like dead money. Dead, no, wait a second. You know that what? The banks, the banks again will do you no favors. No, but they won't. It, it, no, they won't do. I know that because they're a business. But like, it, it's dead money that somebody would pay. Say, for instance, fifteen hundred and thirty-nine euro a month in this city to rent a three-bedroom house, when they can get a mortgage and pay down the mortgage, get the deeds of the property in twenty years and own it. I mean, like, that's a no-brainer. It is, it is, I suppose, Neil, really. In, and in 20 years, that's if everything goes according to plan. That you and your partner stay in your good jobs and everything I works according that, yeah. to plan. Yeah, yeah. And in the society, in the, in the times that we're in, nothing is guaranteed. But the same can now be said about somebody who's renting and loses their job. I mean, I would encourage everybody yeah. who can, anyone, and there's no bad time to buy a house, anyone that can get a deposit together, get out a rental, buy a house. Oh, I don't know, Neil. I, I suppose me looking at it from, from the rental side of things down through the years right. and the way everything has gone, like, it's just, it, I suppose, with this whole pandemic and everything, the whole system has changed. And everybody now must take a step back and look at what's best for them. Like, and again, borrowing the money, the 100,000, the 200,000, 300,000, is crazy. For anyone in their 20s, 22s, 23s, uh, it's, it's about two if and they and don't have, have £1,000 clear a week, Neil... But it's about 2.5% it's about two and a half percent fixed. If they don't have, Neil, a clear between two people work, if they don't have €1,500 a week, they're wasting their time going borrowing £300,000. You just said £1,500 a, a week. If they don't, if they can't bring home fifteen hundred a week, that's seven seven hundred a week each. Yeah, seven fifty a week. They're wasting their time trying to borrow three or four hundred thousand because if one of them falls out sick, they'll never ever. Well, if one of them falls yeah. out sick for a month, yeah. they'll never catch up. Yeah, well, that is. A and point. they're okay. they're 
they are held they are held by the ballot of the gun to the bank then I, I know I and know, that's I what know, the government so wants I just think they that they give the instant up the 2% the 3% to suck you in and the minute you fall back you're at the mercy of the banks forevermore Okay, um, powerful words. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate it. I don't know how much time I get to talk to um, to uh, Derek. He's with TIS Limited. They may, may well be involved in inspections. Derek, good morning. Can you, oh, hang on a second. Let me get my act together. The line has changed. Oh, he was on three, guys. So I'll tell you what I do. I'll take, I'll take an ad break and hopefully he's there when I come back. Apologies. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red. FM. And if you have a story to share, you can also do so by email. Email neil at redfm.ie for whatever may be on your mind. Just a quick call this side of uh, 11. Declan, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And, 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 yet there, and yet there are properties just sitting there. Where are you talking about? Uh, in the Shannon Road, Fairhill. How long is it empty? 20, 20 years. 22 years. Nobody lived in it in 22 years. They, they tried to auction it off. In Limerick, and they got an offer of eighty nine euro and or eighty nine thousand, and they pulled it out. Now, unfortunately, I don't know the bank that owns it. But, you know. So has a bank sat on that for twenty two years? They have. And did, it, did yeah. it, when did they actually try and sell it in the 22 years? Was it recently, a long time ago, when? Oh, no, 20 years ago. Right. And they wouldn't take they took, that? They, they, took, wouldn't, they, they, wouldn't. Took it to, they took it to Limerick to auction it. And what kind of state and condition is it in? Is it a repossessed house, so it was, was it? No, no, just, it's a beautiful terrace house. I the same house as myself. Yeah, yeah. So a bank has just let it sit there... For 22 yeah. years. I was hoping that you'd investigate which bank. Yeah, that I, should I, be. Yeah, I mean, if I get an exact address, I can certainly. Ah, yeah, I mean, you know, be easy to, it'd be easy to find that out, I would think, you know. Be easy to find yeah. that out. And, and does anybody go in and out and inspect the property? No. No one goes in and out to inspect the property because and I'm living across the road from it. Right? And, it, and it's definitely and a bank it. property. Oh, it's definitely a bank property. And has it got a front and back garden? Yes. And does anybody maintain the gardens? No. In 22 years? My God. God only knows what it's like inside, Declan. Well, that's true, yeah. That's, that is true. Yeah, I mean, I know banks sit on properties, you know. I know, that, I mean, and sometimes there can be issues with title and things like that, I know, but... You wouldn't expect them to sit on, sit on it for 22 years. And was there a family used to live in it that were oh, there was, that yeah. had to leave it because they couldn't make payments, was it? No, no. You don't know? I think it was a corporation. Well, it was a corporation house. Right? Number 28. I know, I know that in Madden's buildings there are many properties still, somebody said to me something like 17 that are vacant and have been for um, quite some time um, somebody actually said that one of the terrace down the end of the terrace, there's, there's a house that's been empty for years and years and years could it be a chance that this Inishannon Road property might be owned by the council? I doubt it. Okay, okay 
All right. I well, don't. that seems an incredible. Well, it doesn't seem like an incredible long, length of time. It is an incredible length of time to be sitting idle. Is it boarded up or anything? You think? I mean, it wasn't vandalized, no? No, 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 no vandal, no vandalized. It, uh, all right. Sliding okay. door, all right. Glass inundated with post. God almighty, man. 22 years without a bed, without a head on a bed. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Okay, listen, we'll do a little bit of digging into that when we get off the air this morning and see if there's a backstory to it. If there is, we'll see if we can get anything on us. one sorry, my apologies, 0818-104-106. You can text 868 104, 106. And we'll pick it up. That and lots more besides between now and midday. New year, new number for Neil. 0818-104-106. And I promise to uh, dip in and out of a lot of texts and emails. I'll do a few in a minute. Let me just remind you, keep those texts coming if you'd like to win the uh, overnight. One night stay for two people with welcome drinks on arrival at the Cork International Airport Hotel. Uh, so you get your welcome drinks when you arrive. Beautiful room, breakfast in the morning, three-course dinner, of course. Or if you're there on a Saturday into a Sunday or a Sunday into a Monday, you could have their fabulous lunch because they have a new lunch offering now in the Atlantic restaurant in the hotel on Sundays. And they're also doing pink galantines afternoon tea right across this month. Okay, so that's courtesy of the Cork International Hotel. So we're talking about looking for and finding love. The wackier, funnier more emotional, more romantic stories, the better. Some of them are quite crazy and many unexpected. So keep those texts coming on your stories of love uh, and romance. Text 0868 When I was popping the question to my wife, I contacted a friend who was the manager of the Castle Martyr Resort and asked them to contact my wife to tell her that she won a competition on Facebook for a night away with dinner with a horse-drawn carriage on the grounds around the estate. Now, she's not going to be staying in the heart. She's going to go for a drive around the, the estate. She was delighted. That's kind of weird. I mean, did she ever think about, well, I didn't enter a competition on Facebook? Anyway, she was delighted and off we went. It was nearly ruined by her getting upset over forgetting makeup. And of course, she blamed it on me because I rushed her. It happened so quickly. However, I stayed calm and off we went round the grounds with Roy, the carriage man, and Neddy, the horse. Niddy is usually a donkey. <laughs> Roy gave us a great history and she kept saying to me, you're fierce, quiet, what's wrong? I just say, ah, nothing. As I went on, she began to say that they that say that we'd uh, get a glass of champagne. Where is it? They said we'd get a glass of champagne. So we were on the back of the resort, past this fire pit, and she nearly spotted the bottle. But when we turned back and stopped, I got down off the carriage and she said, oh my good God, it's not a glass, it's a bottle. Roy, she says to the carriage man, come and join us. I nearly choked, but Roy said, nah, I need to get Neddy back. So we walked over to the fire and she says, throw a block on that. So we got down on one knee to do so. And then after throwing the block in, I popped the question. She said, yes. And a little after things calmed down, she said, so you mean I didn't win this at all? And I said, no, (laughs) I've had to pay for it. But at least she said, yeah, that's a great story. It really and truly is a great story. I don't know who you are because I don't have a name to that text, but what a great story. It nearly came a cropper, didn't it? But you got her over the line in the end. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. I will come back to other stories, particularly from this morning and indeed over the past couple of days. But as I often say, so it's very important to update on stories that, uh, you know, have been, you know, simmering away 
um, on the old radio stove. And I spoke recently to Linda, who is up to 90, about an upcoming trip to a very important place in Paris, Euro Disney. You've guessed it. They were waiting on a passport. Let's see if she's got news. Linda, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Well... We got the passport. Hooray! <laughs> so, Connor knew nothing about any of this panic, did he? He didn't, but I was so excited last night when I got home from work and I saw it in the post box that um, he kind of joined in in the celebration. So, he's a very happy camper going to school this morning. When are you actually <laughs> travelling? Remind me again. So, it's Monday week, the 22nd. Yeah. The 22nd. I think yeah. I was talking yeah. to somebody who's gone Friday. And I don't, they haven't come back to me to say that they got it yet, Euro Disney as well, as in the day after tomorrow. So right. how did you manage to get it? So I tell you now, without the help of yourselves, um, touching base with the passport office for me, which I'm so grateful. And I also have to say thank you to Colin Burke's office as well, who was also on the case for me. Um, I, we wouldn't have been going, I'd say, because... Just after I got off the air from you last week, I had an update on the tracker to say that I'd get the passport on the 8th of April. Oh, forget about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. They were treating the um, the updated forms as like the first time that they got the application. That's what happens. Instead yeah. of an updated application, it becomes a new one. Very unfair. Yes. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. unfair. Look, I, I kept on the case and um, sure, whatever I did worked and you worked your magic for me as well. So and, we're and, over the moon. And happy to be part of the success. And isn't Connor a big Mickey Mouse fan, if I remember correctly? He is, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you sent me a photograph of Connor with a very large um, puppet of Mickey Mouse and the passport. I did, it's nearly the size of him. <laughs> it is nearly the size of him. He'll have such a great time. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it now so we can really, you know, get the excitement going now at home again with the kids. What hotel are you staying in Euro Disney, do you know? We're staying in the Sequoia Hotel. It's one of the ones in the park. Yeah, um, Yeah, there's there's four or five of them, isn't there? There is. There's a few of them. So, uh, yeah, we're we're just, we're delighted. We're over the moon. They're all different (laughs) themed hotels. It's fantastic. Have you ever been? I've been there years ago with my eldest son. Yeah. Um, and we stayed in another in another hotel there as well. But I mean, that was 10 years ago now. I know, I know. We're, we're really and do they still do the big parade through uh, Disneyland at night? As far as I know, they do because um, my daughter just can't wait to see Elsa. And of course, Connor can't wait to see Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, it's so long since I was there and there's been so many new productions of, of uh, Disney, you know, over the years that there's probably an awful lot more on offer now than ever before. So. Yeah, it'll just be magical for them. I'm delighted. That's fantastic. Well done. Happy out. Because the clock was ticking. I hope anybody... I know. I don't know what the updates are on everybody else, but at least you're across the line, Lynn. Delighted for you. Thanks so much again. Take Cheers. care. All the best. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Delighted for Connor because you can't leave a kid behind. You just have to cancel. It's neither all or none. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. So story online yesterday. I was telling you I also watched uh, part of the uh, actual funeral mass and the homily uh, by his beautiful wife, the late Philip Williams, who was laid to rest yesterday, man at age 33 years of old, age so young. Uh, and uh, I was mentioning it because he, he and many members of his family spent their lives working in, in ice cream vans, Mr. Whippies or Mr. Softies, and that's what he did. Uh, and he sounded like a gas man. He sounded, been, I mean, I think his wife was saying at the time, 
that his motto in life was here, you're here for a good time, not for a long time. But the funeral cortez yesterday was just incredible because they went from St. Catherine's Church in Connor to the crematorium to say their last goodbyes. And there was uh, 20 ice cream trucks behind the hearse. It was just a fabulous sight to see. Uh, his first cousin, Vicky Williams, joins me by phone. Vicky, good morning. Good morning, Neil. It's I just clarified, though, that it's his mum, not his wife. Sorry, I'm sorry. My <laughs> okay, apologies. The, ham- the homily, yes. I, yeah, my apologies. It was one of those, no, it, was, um, it was on a tiny phone, so I couldn't see that. I yeah. actually couldn't see the altar. My apologies. Oh, okay. it, was, oh, it was a beautiful homily. homily. Yes. It, it was, was lovely. Beautiful. It was lovely. Um, it must have been very emotional, though, uh, all, really of, all of his colleagues. Been. Yeah, it's been it's been quite emotional over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and and so young. I mean, his man was saying uh, that he, as as a much younger lad, he he contracted leukemia and and fought it and came through it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, He did, he did. But it was about four years ago then, and he got the cancer. Um, Yeah, yeah. and you know, with regards to ice cream and the Mister Whippy vans, that all all of the all of the family that's their that's their trade, isn't it? That is indeed. It is indeed. Because his uncle Alfred, as well, was talking yeah. about having the fact that they spent all of their lives working in ice cream vans. Yeah, yeah. And had he his own one? He did. He had his own Mr. Softy outside the church yesterday as well. Oh, I think for that, was the one, that was the one that was just in front of him as well. Oh, um, just behind him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all of his life would have been playgrounds. I'm reading from the examiner this morning playgrounds and parks housing estates and maybe in the summer down at the beaches and things like that. Yeah, and events, but sure, we've had no events now the last couple of years. I know, I know. Yeah, I know. know. So, and who were, okay, so there were some family members in in ice cream vans, but who who was was everybody? The majority were family members yesterday, to be honest, there was a couple of lads came down from up the country, um, just colleagues of ours, you know. So how many ice cream vans? 20. And and most of those were extended family, were they? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Isn't I'd that say now if the lads even from across the seas could have come over they probably would have like um yeah. There would have been a lot more. And what what do what, what, what do we know about, about Philip that I think at one stage he wasn't he wasn't he a jockey? He was a jockey. <laughs> he was he was in, into boxing. He trained in Riverstone Boxing Club. Um he was a jockey, he was mad for the horses. Yeah. But he, I think it was when he was seventeen when he was diagnosed with the leukemia, that kind of put a stop to that. I know the jockey part. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. And all and all was well for a long time, and then of course it was. Yeah. About four years ago, yeah. I think cancer came back in in, in a different back. form, as yeah. Uncle was saying. Yeah. yeah. And like even even with that diagnosis, he still was putting the oh, best was, foot forward, wasn't he? He was. He was. He was always Philip. Even since he was a small child, he was always happy. He was always he was always a happy chappy. Like he, it's hard to describe him. Everyone who knows him will have their own memories of him. Yeah, you know, like when we were younger, he was so small. That's why he was the jockey. He was tiny <laughs> when he was growing up. And yeah. I remember, I remember as kids, we used to have to hold him down when it was a windy day. You know, that's the memories <laughs> I have of Philip. Like he was so small. A gust of wind would blow him over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. wind would blow him away. Yeah, <laughs> like all the adults would be shouting, "Will you catch on to Philip?" Or <laughs> Philip. <laughs> oh my yeah, god! Yeah, that was one of my favorite memories of Mark. I know, I know. Yeah. So it, yeah. life was about a celebration from. It was yesterday, and he got a really, really, really beautiful send off. He really did. Yeah, I know. And did yeah. all of the Mister Whippies? Did all the chimes play from Connor to it the crematorium? I don't think they played the whole way down. Now I can't be sure because I was a good bit back in the car. Um, but yeah, there was it, it, there was chimes. <laughs> 
was it very emotional, let's say. It was. It was. Everybody loves yeah. the sound of a whippy van. It's a you know, yeah. it's, it's a, no more so than yourself, Neil. I'd say. Talk it <laughs> you know I, was, I, I was in the, I was in the van two years ago. I remember. But that was back in 2015. I think. Were you with me in one yeah, of the? That was me down in um, <sighs> down on the beach in Inch. Inch. Oh, we did a lot more than Inch. I can tell you, Vicky. I can tell you, we did Mitchellstown, we did Yall, we did Garristown. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Oh my God. Same family then, yeah. Yeah, extended family. Yeah. Oh, be my first Vicky. Cousin. I am so yeah. sorry for your loss. Wonderful yeah. family. Really great yeah. tradition. Thanks, Neil. And only 33 years old. An, an, ice, an ice cream man yeah. through and through. What a, what a great indeed. story. Yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, you, you sent him off in style and he deserved it. We did. Can I just mention, though, Marymount Hospice? They're unbelievable. They really are what they do and the end-of-life care team. They were fantastic with him. He was able to stay at home. You see, I think that, that was really special as well. You know, know, he was able to stay at home. I know, I know. Yeah. I know. Listen, I'm so glad that I got a, an opportunity to chat and and uh, no you know problem, say something kind of a. You, listen, Thanks, why, why don't we why don't we do that trip again sometime in the summer, Vicky? Definitely, yeah. we'll have to do something, won't we? We'll do something, will yeah. we? Yeah. Well, I, I know I'm sure Keith will be looking after you anyway. He'll probably pop up someday with you, <laughs> the usual. Keith gets <laughs> exasperated because I he does when I, he gets out there. No, it's just me. I, I try my best because you're always gone. No, it's it's like I just can't get the cone right, you know. And then he and then he does it, and it's like a work of art. I know. I know. <laughs> this, this is serious. Like you guys could do four on each hand and use your elbow for the oh. pump. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I'm sure that Philip could too. <laughs> it's a skill. It's a skill. Believe it. It is. Yeah. But Vicky might see you over the summer. Thanks so much for Thanks, taking the call. Please. Cheers. No Take care. Thanks, we'll say goodbye Bye. to Mr. Softy. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on our new number 0818104106 and we'll plough on. Lots to do. Um, I will come back to a lot of issues regarding uh, rental properties, you know, and these inspections. Leaves an awful lot to be desired. But I'm trying to mix it up as best I can and I'm keen to get more wedding proposals on the air as well for our giveaway. But boy, did we have fun yesterday on the air talking about on the buses and uh, what was the term again? What was it again, Seamus? The two o'clock spare at the statue, I think. We were talking about the hut, the old busman's hut. And many people then started to share their stories about the hut and about being on the buses and that how many of them started at a very, very young age. I never knew, actually, that Dino Cregan started... Uh, his career, I think it was the start of his career, on the buses. Maybe one, maybe he was still in short pants. Let's find out. Dino, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, my old buddy. How are you? I'm good to hear you, boy. Great to hear you. Fair play. I hope that the last two years have been kind to you, Dino, because you're one of our own, boy, and we're mad about you. So tell me um, tell me about your own stories. Were you, uh, was well, it your I, first job? There, I, was in, I was in the Statue of Horse in 1956 <laughs> at 16 years of age. But you must remember that all the Cregans worked in CIE at the time. My dad and, and his five sons were in CIE at one time. So it was just, it was, it was automatic. It was assumed that the sons well, would follow I mean, the dad. I was lucky that I got in there. I got great training in the statue hut. And it was known as the statue hut, not the, not the hut. Yeah. Always known as the statue hut. And there should be a preservation order on it because it's, it's, in, our, it's in Cork. For four generations, and it should not be lost. It was built 120 years ago in Glasgow in an iron foundry. If you were still in council, you'd be kicking up over this, I'd say. 
Well, I mean, there's there's things that we shouldn't be thrown away or losing, and it was a character of Cork, and there was great character at that time. There was great respect for all of us, especially our elders. I always noticed that, and they got great training that way. What training no, were you getting? I mean, how no, did you... How no did... elders were allowed upstairs on the, on the, on the double-deckers. There was always there a seat downstairs. Always in, the lower, in the lower deck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you... Uh... Yeah, I remember. And I remember the last last property. People would be losing last property. I was stationed in the house, and I'd ask them what, what did they lose? I lost my umbrella. And I'd ask them what colour, and all the umbrellas were black. <laughs> and you say it's black. And I'd take up three or four umbrellas, then which one is yours? Take your pick, like, would it be umbrellas, pick, different people. S- scarves, gloves, wallets, purses... Gloves and scarves were the main thing that would have been lost at the time. And you must remember that you didn't have what you call the, the affluence as you have now. And people, I, I mean, I can tell you great stories on lost property, like. <laughs> great. Yeah. I got great training there. And there was there was lovely men, bus, bus drivers and conductors. Great respect and great regard. So as a 16-year-old, you started in the... I started at 16 and I was, I was a junior, I was what you call it, a junior until I was 20. Then I was a bus conductor and then I went to the road trade with me dad. Okay, so as a bus conductor, there must have been great stories on the routes as well. Uh, there was, you must, I mean, I could tell you like, for instance, the last bus by night in the, the 11.15. That's the one. I, I was on the Spangle Hill Bellefiham bus, the number three. There was seven buses on that. There was nine in Granabar and there was eight in Bishopstown. I could tell you exactly to this very day how many buses were around the city. Amazing, amazing. Because the spectacle of the 11.15 with the inspector and the whistle, that was an he amazing... With the whistle, yeah, he blew the whistle and they all did go off together and back to Capwell then and the Inver. But nobody would be left behind on the last bus. Everybody got on the bus. Especially, I remember when I was on the Spangle Hill bus, there'd be a crowd at the at the, the Lido at the time at the cinema. And you'd leave no one behind. You'd all go up Spangle Hill bus together. By the way, Spangle Hill should never have been lost to Cork. That's a great name. I'm glad you use it, because it's hardly used oh, anymore. God, I now. always use it. And when I was law mayor, I said nothing, only Spangle Hill. <laughs> it's a great name. <laughs> so did Great you have a character lot, in Cork at that time. Did you have a lot of fair dodgers when you were a bus conductor? Would you let people well, off see, with that in the price? It was truppens for the bus that time, and everybody gave it the truppens, and if they didn't, they put it into the misfares. There was nothing trying to dock anything. You all paid their fare. But they'd be hanging out of the bus, going up, spanging it. Hanging off the bar at the back, remember? <laughs> you know, hanging out of the bar at the back, yeah. <laughs> and where, but where, there was where, great regard. And yeah. the conductor was always protected. He was always what, do you know? Well protected by the by the people on the bus. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You didn't say anything bad about the conductor because they don't, and they'd be checking us, oh, he's a nice fella, he's lovely, that fella. You get all sorts of characters, though, pretending that they were uh, underage. Were great or, characters. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. I mean, there, there, was, there were great characters of people and they had great regard for the elder. I always noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a, did you have a nickname at all? Apparently a lot of nicknames on the buses. Well, at, at the time, I was one of the Cregans, so I mean, you could say nothing to us because I tell me that. <laughs> be a price to be paid. <laughs> you were protected. <laughs> I was well protected, I mean, my other brothers. Did you know Jack, Did the, you know Jackie the Bell? I did a course by, cheers, everybody knew him. What about Piece of Cake? 
<laughs> Piece of cake, yeah. But I mean, Billy, I could I can mention names and what I don't want to mention one name because I lose somebody else. So, but I could name parts and there was great inspectors. They were very respectful, and you done exactly as the inspector said. Everybody that was, was in fear that the inspector would get on a course. Oh, if there you was, had, yeah. If you dodged the some bus conductor, some inspectors were better. They wouldn't report you at all. They get stuck in there, but they wouldn't report you. And did you do a lot of dag? Ah, uh, the the dag. <laughs> Don't tell me out now, Neil, because I could tell great stories. But there were different times. There was there was a great discipline about the people, and everybody queued up. I noticed that. For instance, like, there'd be relief buses at 6 o'clock in the evening, going to Grahan and going to Spangle Hill. But, I mean, to Spangle Hill and Grahan and Churchfield were the busy ones. That's the, that was the life and soul of, the, of, the, of Cork, wasn't Life it? and soul, yeah. yeah and, I mean, yeah. I, see no, I see no reason. For instance, I make no... No, 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 no objection in saying no that there should be a, what you call a president. Uh, there should be there should be a preservation order on the can on the statue hut. Have you seen? Done have, have you seen photographs of it, Dino? It's in an awful state. I have seen photographs of it. I mean, there, there was fellas stood inside in that, and you get you get twenty fellas standing inside in that. It was raining. Inside in the statue hall, I, I remember it well. I know. Three, three, I mean, three centuries. Three centuries. Patrick Street is not the character that it should be. And if you're putting the statue hall anywhere, you put it back behind by the statue. Would you, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get political on this, but were you are, you weren't in favour of the remake of it back in the day? I think it was about, was it 2002 when they changed the whole streetscape? You know, I don't like it. But I mean, we shouldn't have lost the statue hall to the to Pana. We shouldn't like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. both companies should have created an order whether to be a preservation order on it. It's still That's not. That's what should have been not, done, and could have done. Could have done a great character, and it should be used as an information centre for the for the for Cork itself. Okay, it's still not too late. I hope to God that somebody brings it up on Monday night's council You're, meeting. The way you were speaking yesterday, need was bang on by. You oh. were bang on what you were saying. So then, when you uh, grew up a little bit more, and you know you became a bus conductor, and from there you went into goods and freight. Then you decided that you'd strike out on your own and start the first chipper, wasn't it? No, I, st- I, st- I started with a pickup truck in 1967. That was because the only- I could I, I, I used to be walking below on cockpitting and they'd come in with pickup trucks and they were getting served before me. I was in CIE, so CIE had to wait. <laughs> so I said, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and that's what I done. And when did you decide, I, w- I won't keep you much longer, but when did you decide to get into the fish, and chi- the, fish and chi- <laughs> the fish and chips game? Well, I was, when I was, I was doing... I, I I was in the pickup truck and I was doing fine, but I could only, only do so much a day. And then I was looking to see what was best. And I had a garage outside of my house in Tower Street. So I knocked the garage and I built a chipper. <laughs> I applied for planning permission in Irish. <laughs> so and to this no, day, I don't know what Irish means. So, so nobody could object, is it? Well, I mean, I had it done in Ireland, and I got the planning permission. I'd say people I were... Op- I say- opened the first day in 1970, the 2nd of March, 1970, and for the old money, pound shillings and pence that time. And Mary got up out of course rains done the same day. <laughs> and we opened at 10 past five. Me dad, I took a photograph of me dad opening the door, and I put seven and truppings into the drawer. But hang on a second, where did you do your training before that? Oh, we had no training. I, just, I didn't know the difference between the chips and the bucket on the side. 
and we stopped it up, but we were very thorough and very clean, and that's... <laughs> That's Mary and all that. She was very good at that. And in 1970, you know, the, the, the first year, like, what was what was up on the board? Obviously, there was chips. There must have been a bit of fish. Chips, fish. There was fish. There was plate poison. There was sausage in battle and a beef burger. That was it? That was it. They were all in battle. And there was no, no burger in the bun that time. Why not? Oh, no, we, we, we didn't have time for burger in the bun. We only uh, burger in battle. So was there no burgers and buns on, on, was there no burgers and buns on Lee side in the back end of the 60s and the early 70s? No, it hadn't arrived yet, the burger bun. They didn't arrive yet, but they're, they're one of our best years now. And who did who did all of the dipping, like? Who did all the battering and stuff like that? Mary done the battering for the start. <laughs> battle is quite simple, but I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what it is. All right, it's a secret. It's a Cregan secret. So then... Things started to go well, and you just said, "Well, I'm going to open the second one." Is it? Well, we opened the second one. I went from from Dino's Chipper to Madeleine's Pub, and I was between one and the other. The pub was a hundred yards away, and fellows were coming in and telling me that I bought a pub, and I didn't even know where the pub was. <laughs> and I went up and I bought it one Friday morning in twenty minutes. But the Madeleine's Pub, a great pub. But were you not nervous? You know, no, 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 I could never. I'd be telling lies if I saw, I saw anything else. I saw great benefits in being cock. So you and saw the all of these people, as opportunities. If, if you served them right, you were doing well. Yeah, yeah. But did you never think I'm getting in over my head? No, not at all. No, I never, never looked on anything else. <laughs> Didn't even think about it. Just done it. Amazing, isn't it? And look at now, and the whole family involved in the business and empire. Oh yeah, yeah. But we, I mean, it's it's hard, it's very personal, and it's hard work, but we get on with it. I know, but it, it must, be a, to us. must be a great sense of achievement, though. At the same time, do you know? You know. I don't put it down that way, Neil. I just put it down as work, and that's it. Yeah, just but hard work, taking a gamble, you know. Um, I think you know, converting the the garage at the side of the house is a very humble start. Like, oh, twice, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't look at it that way, and I'd be telling lies, Neil, if I did buy, I didn't. I just said, we do it, and that's it, and then we done it. I mean, I bought I bought places, and I bought them in 20 minutes. <laughs> that was a bit quick, just though, wasn't it? Just open up and do it. Well, I mean, you... I'm only as good as my last bag of chips. That's the old same with me, like. So that bag of chips would come with the extra scoop, or there was times when people oh didn't God, have the price yeah, of it. Very, very important. Yeah. And eyeball the people. I love I love eyeballing people. Even today now, with the, well, all the way to what's going on and the virus that was around, I still love to see people coming into the council and looking at them. Eyeballing people is very important. Like yourself, very personal. And do you um, do you still keep an eye on standards and stuff? Do you go around visiting? I do, of course. Do I, geez, that's, that's my job. I, <laughs> yeah, I could walk into the shop at 11 o'clock at night. Because <laughs> oh, I have nothing else to do, just stroll around. <laughs> that's amazing. Is it true that there was one night that you brought in fish and chips for the entire council or something? Is that right? Oh, I did, yeah, yeah. The fellas that voted for me when I was down me on the fellas that voted against me. They all got chips. They were all fed. Even those that voted against you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But nothing personal. I never took it out on anybody from a political point of view. Yeah. And there was times as well when you fed people that didn't have the price of the bag of chips, I'm told. Well, so I mean, we wouldn't mind that. Just do it. Don't leave anybody hungry. You have an incredible outlook on life, do you know? You know that? You always amaze me. You really do. It's fantastic. I will him like yourself now, and he will talk odd years, I'll My God, you're incredible. Somebody asked me to ask you about 40 sheep. Did you know who 40 sheep was? 
Apparently it's someone the driver took forty sheep on the bus for a farmer and brought the sheep into the mart for him and he was christened as the driver <laughs> of the bus forty sheep forever. I must tell you one good story, need you love it. A little woman came in from Barry in Highlands, across the road from Barry in Highlands, and I was in I was in the hut. I lost me 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 poster. Can I find? Can you find it for me? And I said, "What bus are you on?" And she told me the bus. And I said, "To be back in Berlin Highlands in ten minutes, and we'll go and we'll get it for you." And she says, "I was upstairs, and an old person never went upstairs." Yeah, yeah. And the inspector had said, "What? What stairs?" She says, "I was, I was, I was put upstairs. There was no room downstairs." And I went, the boss came and I went upstairs and she said, tisn't the post at all, so she says, it's the matchbox. The money is inside in the matchbox. <laughs> and I went down the side of the season, there was the matchbox. <laughs> and there was a 10 bob note inside in this. Oh my God. And I brought it over to the statue house and the woman said, sorry, I'm sorry, no, but I said it was a post. And she had to tell me what, what matchbox and that was it. <laughs> and I was supposed to charge her four pence for finding it. Why? And the, and the inspector said, no charge to that woman. She was put upstairs. Wow. And he walked over to the bus and got stuck in the conductor <laughs> for putting the woman upstairs. Such I were the standards back in the day. That's a lesson, like. Listen, I, I think I very rarely in all the years on air get opportunities to meet people like you who absolutely adore Cork. Isn't it true? Oh, jeez, I love it. <laughs> there's Cork and there's the rest. <laughs> and the rest are always apologising. <laughs> well said, Tina. Because they're not Cork. <laughs> well done, kid. I, I even said that at Dublin level. I'm in the mood for a bag of chips. Listen, look after yourself, will you, whatever you do, because you're a treasure. It's lovely to hear you, bye. Take care, Tino. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number, 0818-104-106. As somebody said on social media overnight, you just can't teach this kind of stupidity. What am I talking about? Well, it's actually about the buses. I was reading in Cork Bio and looking at the video this morning. Seamus was showing to me before he came on air. I didn't even know that you could hang off the back of a bus, that they're actually designed in some kind of a way where you can hang on. They were saying that in Dublin, I don't know if it's the same in Cork, that back in the day, people used to hang off the bus back of trucks and stuff like that. And somebody said that used to be known as scutting in Dublin. Very common with trucks where people would hang on the back. Way back in the day, people would hang off the back of bread vans and stuff like that as they were going around. But this is the 212 bus from Kent Railway Station in the city to Mahan Point Shopping Centre, going through the docks and Beaumont and Black Rock and Ring Mahan. And the video has this character up on the back of it, hanging on with his two hands and then his legs or his feet then perched on the uh, registration plate off the back of the bus as it's driving along through the estates. I don't know what, I mean, that is just absolutely insane. I mean, I don't have to tell you why it's insane if he were to fall off and break his neck or split his head open or a car would drive over him or whatever the case may be. It's just beyond stupidity. But there it is nonetheless, the latest. I'm not saying that it's a craze. I don't know how often it's happening. But it was caught by somebody yesterday on their mobile phone on the 212. Okay, um, from the crazy to the romantic. I met my husband, Jar at a wedding in Blackrock Castle back in 1995. I was actually in... Hang on a second, i got a better idea. Hold on a minute. We'll do this again because I can get a little bit of love involved in this. What about this one? I met my husband Jer. <laughs> I met my husband Jer at a wedding in Blackrock Castle back in 1995. I was actually invited to the wedding with my boyfriend, but we had just split up, so I went without him. Jer and I got married in 1998. I have three boys, and the rest is history. 
Blackrock Castle back in the 90s. There was many weddings back then. Played a few of them actually. Uh, myself and my partner met nearly four years. Or myself and my partner met nearly four years uh, ago. I was swiping on Tinder. The Tinder swindler. You gotta watch it, lads. I was swiping on Tinder and we matched. However, I received a late night message from him. But I decided to ignore him because the message I received was not very romantic, to put it politely. Ah, yeah, I can imagine. Anyway, I went to town with my friend and spotted him in the pub and decided to chance my arm because I I was swooned by his handsome looks. But it didn't exactly go to plan because I spotted a lady talking to him. However, when I got home, I decided to chance my arm again, sent him a message. He asked me out on a date a few days later and we had such a fun time. However, he was going back to sea for four months a few weeks later, so we had no idea what would actually happen between us. Anyway, the bad anyway, he surprised me with a trip to Paris on his last week in Cork and asked me to be his girlfriend on the bank balcony overlooking the Eiffel Tower. Uh, after that night, we didn't see each other for four months with little contact because Wi-Fi out at sea isn't great. We've had a million ups and downs, but I'm so grateful that I chanced my arm that night because he's become my best, best friend. Another one here. This is our story of how we met 28 years ago. Uh, a few buddies and I decided to go to town after having a few pints. We headed to Night Owls. Oh, my God. Where was that again? I remember that. And waited to get in. Um, this is 28 years ago. My buddies got in, and when it was my turn, says Dennis, the doorman said that you need a shirt to get in. So I had none. My buddy said he'd pass his shirt out the toilet window. <laughs> I arrived at the door, was hit with his shirt on, and the doorman smiled and let me in. And that was when I met my future wife, says Dennis. And Eve, whom he married. If it wasn't for your buddy's shirt, you'd never have met Eve, and you'd never be married. That is an incredible text. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How now, are you? Now, let's go back to 2005, shall we? Go ahead. Yes, um, it's like back in, back in 2005, I was working in Jury's Hotel, and she, you know, yourself, it, it closed down, you know, so, uh, so I was packing up everything because I'm originally from Carlow myself. And um, so I was studying hotel management down in, in Cork, and I had the job in Jury's. Everything was closing down, so I was packing my bags up last night in Cork. So I would meet up with a good few of my friends there. So we went into the Thirsty Scholar, you know, on the Western Road. Ah, just across and the road from Jury's, yeah. That's it. A, new, a usual haunt for all the Jury staff anyway. Says, um, and just saying goodbye, says, uh, and in comes my then wife, you know, says, um, jo um, Jennifer. And it was like slow motion, I can tell you the truth now, Neil. Uh, she went in through the back door, you know, says, and they, they had kind of like fairy lights out the back, you know, says, uh, it says, Slow motion wouldn't wouldn't describe it now, says, and I couldn't keep my eyes off her. You know, now she was going. I hate when seven. they do that in films. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> well, no, hate it, the slow motion. It always seems so corny and cheesy. But for you, it actually it actually happened. I, I, to me now, basically, says it was like it was like taking forever for her to come over to me. You know, <laughs> but she was going out with um, a, a friend of mine. Right, she, at, at that time she was going out with a friend of mine. Basically, says and like let's just say he wasn't exactly the best. Basically, says boyfriend material. You know that kind of way. So in the looks department, says, is it? Or he was just a bad piece of work. A really bad piece of work. You know, so like you treat, treat women not so fairly. You know, so that kind of way. All right, okay. So, 
Okay. So, any basis, I, I stood up and I gave my bar stool to, to Jennifer, you know, so like, and she started talking to me, and I found it very, very interesting, you know, so, and we, we kind of moved on then to, like, preachers and basically says, um, and I asked her, would she like to come in, you know, come down with us, you know, so, um, and so the whole night, just kept on talking, I found it very, very interesting, I thought, at the end of the night, she gave me her number to text, you know, and um, so the following morning, I packed up everything, kind of preachers. Got preachers, back, where was back. that? Where was preachers? From um, the Washington Street. Right, and where where was Night House? Do you remember that? Was that the old? Um, was that the old where the uh, Oliver Plunkett is now? Um, Caroline Street. I'm hearing all of these places from years back. Okay, anyway, so go ahead. So, anyways, so, uh, we we were kind. Of, I was packing up like nurses, and I had a job lined up in Mount Julia in Kilkenny, you know, yeah. and. So travelling up, I just couldn't get, get Jennifer out of my mind, you know, so, um, so says, right back in Carlo, and no sooner was I off, <laughs> off, off out of the car, that she was actually straight up back on the bus, back to, back to Cork. I rang a few friends, says, look, can I crash in your place? Like, no, wait, so wait then, a second, you, so. you changed your mind and came back? Yeah, came came straight back the, the, the same day, you know. Says, so it was like a fr- it was like 1st of April 2005 when we when met. Did you just, when did you just ring her? It just jumped, something in me said, like, you know, so sure, we couldn't do this whole long distance thing, like one in Carroll, one in Cork, you know, so, so I, I wanted to see where it would go, you know. So, so oh, that's uh, very romantic, assuming she wanted so, you back, that is, did she? Well, she, like, I, I texted when I got back to Cork and I said, would you like to meet up, you know, because she didn't have a clue that I was leaving, you know. Um, so, says, I got a job up in the old country club, you know, says, um, New month, the, 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 the new month, the new month, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Says, and basically says, <laughs> did, did couch surfing as they say, like, you know, says, um, for a couple of um, weeks, you know, says, until I got an apartment. And sure says, they, by then, when I met, met Jennifer, then, like, she'd broken up with the, with the lad, you know, says, so, says, um, and the rest is history now. We've got two kids, so you, happily married. You married yeah. her, had children. So you came back to Cork on the bus, having just arrived back in Carlisle, said, nah. Went back to Cork, knowing that she was still going out with another guy, but fancying your chances, kind of thing, is it? Kind of like, you no, know, just, just chance my arms. That's like so, uh, one of those things, like, you know, where if I didn't chance it, I'd be always regretting it. And does know, Jennifer it, it, know about? She must know about you coming back to Cork on the same bus, kind of thing. Oh, she she knows now, like because she actually, to be totally honest, she'd be mortified if she actually hears me telling the story because I I always tell the story basically if I have any chance, you know, so to tell it. And that, she's kind of sick and t- sick and tired of actually hearing. <laughs> that is just a great story. You know, did you say? I mean, you're in the hotel industry. What what did you do in hotels? What was your job? I was a um, night manager and, and then went to operations manager. I'm I'm, I'm no longer in the in in hotel. So you were the hotel. you were the guy that was up in the hotel when everybody else was asleep or should be asleep. Got it. Yeah. So th- like that's a quiet job, I'd say, is it? It's busy enough, like because obviously closing up weddings and the likes of that, like you know, so and kind of getting people to bed after the residence bar, you know, so and getting then getting everything ready for mornings and tours coming in. Oh, so you wouldn't be kind of sitting around uh, watching television at four in the morning, like you'd have something to do. Well, you'd, you'd always have something to do. <laughs> that's a great story. I don't know how many other people I'm going to talk to between now and quitting time, but I think that's one of the better stories now that could well deserve a prize. I can tell you that. It's a fabulous story. How many kids, too? How old are the kids? They're 12 and 7. Okay. Hang, hang in there. Let me talk to one or, more, one or two more people. Great story, Michael. Thanks for sharing it. All right? Hang in there. Cheers for now. Let me see if I can talk to Maria. Maria, good morning. Good morning. Okay. So, tell me your story of love. Where did it all come from? Um, we worked together 
uh, in May come Eurotech. Where's that? Um, was in Blackrock, Ski Hard Road. Right. Knoxon. Um, yeah, we worked together there, and after about three years, he proposed. But we went to Liverpool. He was a huge Everton fan. Um, so we would go there for weekends away a lot. And he'd go there as much time as he could. Um, so this particular weekend that we went, um, we went up to Goodison Park before the game, just because it was a bit quieter, little did I know. And he proposed outside the Dixie Dean statue. Um, yeah. Um, at Goodison Park, of course. At Goodison Park, yeah. We went back then into town to meet all our friends that we were with and that and when we got back up to the ground again they made him re-propose because nobody had taken any pictures because we were on our own the first time that he proposed obviously so they made him do it again so that he could get the pictures for it and I just had random people screaming at me saying say no um, <laughs> give him back the ring run was you this know? on a match <laughs> was this on a match day yeah huge match day it was the last game of the season against United yeah oh big Manchester game. United oh my god yeah. and you weren't expecting anything like this was a total surprise n- no idea whatsoever I rang my mum then to tell her the good news and he had rang her that morning to ask her permission um, obviously oh. to tell her first that he was going to and that would be okay yeah, so yeah they that's all lovely. I had no idea and yeah. of course she couldn't we let on a thing yeah no, we left then and um, after the game and we would go to this local bar, uh, the Red Brick. And uh, so we went in there and we had a drink in that after the game. And um, a, f- a family friend, Bob Pen- Pendleton was his name. He was um, a scout for Everton. He actually signed, he got Wayne Rooney signed to um, Everton. Yeah. And uh, he would always be in there with his family after the game because they're obviously they're huge Everton fans. Yeah. And Wayne Rooney's mum was there sitting down with him. So Bob introduced us and told her that we had got a, um, engaged that day at the match and that. And uh, yeah, so we got a picture taken with her as well. Oh, fantastic. Did Everton win that match? No. Oh, I was <laughs> hoping it would be the perfect day. <laughs> they didn't win a lot of games that I would go to. They told me that I was the bad penny, that I wasn't allowed to go anymore every stay time. Stay away. <laughs> I know, stay away. That's a great story. I know. You're not, you're not following the Becky Vardy Colleen Rooney spat are you no I actually read about it again this morning yeah oh it's um, I mean have they anything better to be doing with their life what do you think of that it's nonsense yeah, unreal, yeah. it's a bit silly really isn't, isn't it isn't it very silly when you yeah, think of what people yeah. are going through in the real world bit of yeah, on. Look, too much time in their hands you, you said it in one girl you said it in one <laughs> alright Maria hang in there thanks so much great story let me see if I can squeeze one in here if you don't mind uh, because I've got a lot to do and time's running up. Bernice Good morning, Neil. Oh, lovely chatting with you now. So we're going back a few years, are we? Fifty years. Not your story as such, though, is it? No, 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 no. This is my sister's. Go on. Fifty years married on the 19th of February. That's Marion. married. Marion and Jerry. They met in the ark. Marion was only 16 and Jerry was 17. Marion felt pregnant after three months, which at that time, as you know yourself, so they had to get married. Yeah, so that was the way. Marion and Jerry didn't have to be the way, but that's what most people did. Yeah, yeah. Marion and Jerry went to the church with my sister and a friend of his, and one of his friends got married. Went up to a house in Leggan Grove to my other sisters for the reception. A neighbour gave him a white tablecloth, found the kitchen table, and she I thought the, I thought the I I thought the kit the white tablecloth was for wedding dress, but it was it wasn't it was no. She hadn't got a wedding dress. She didn't use the white tablecloth as a wedding dress, though. No, need. 
the neighbours gave her off the table and the neighbours the neighbour had a house shop. So she put all the stuff on the table because when he just bored of them. I would have preferred if then, the tablecloth was the wedding dress. And the evening then she went into the wimpy bar. Before we went into the wimpy bar. She she well, he was a farmer, he was in Glenmire at the time. Glenmire was very small, like he was an only boy. China, but I tell you the most happiest couple now. Then she that's sick. She just suffered from arthritis. It's very, very bad. Yeah. Fantastic husband. Yeah. He's marked. And his mar now at the moment is on dialysis. And she's still his mar. Yeah, she's on dialysis three days a week. And no one was saying about his mar. He get up every one, three mornings a week at six o'clock. He'll park outside the region, he'll drop her in. And he'll sit there and he'll wait for his mar. And he goes home around the bed and be being made and electric blankets beyond and they're very, they're just very, very happy couple. Aren't they, they are. absolutely like two peas in a pod? I swear they are. Marion and Jerry, fifty years Marianne. married this month, nineteen seventy-two, and their 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 reception, the food, albeit was in the Wimpy. Well, no, it actually wasn't in the Wimpy. It was my sister's house, up in Leggan Grove in Mayfield. What did they go into the Wimpy for? A burger, was it? Yes, indeed. And they lived in there for a burger. The four of them, and then she went back and she stayed at my sister's house in for a couple of months. Do you remember the Wimpy? It didn't it? It had little booths, didn't it? And a and a, a big counter. Well, with I wouldn't. Do you remember it? I wouldn't know. No, no, I wouldn't really know. I, yeah, I, mean, I don't think I ever ate in there. I think I remember looking into it, though. It was very American in style, the Wimpy. But on Patrick Street, wasn't it? Or was that Little Chef? I thought it was McCurtain Street. Yeah, you're probably right. Maybe Little Chef was on Patrick Street and the Wimpy was on McCurtain Street. You're probably right. And that's like Grove, then. She lived with my sister then for a couple of months. And then baby number one came. It's a baby number one turned into five babies. And just to this day now, she's actually out the reason at the moment. She be listening just on the dialysis. Because it goes Monday, Wednesdays and Saturdays. But he'll be waiting for his mask when she comes out in a minute. He'll be waiting for her. For his mask. He'll, he'll be waiting for his mask. His mask, that's what call her, his mask. He'll just die out over him. she die out over him too. They Isn't just it? love one of Love, do they ever go? Do they there. ever get away or go anywhere? Or do any- she loved going away. She did, and she loved going for a drink. She loved, she, and you know, she'd be the best dressed person in going. And at the moment, no, she don't go very far over and be done dialysis. I know. She just stays at home, like it's a. This is about telling the story, really, as opposed to winning a prize, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you know something, even herself, she's been so sick. She's very, very brave herself. Well, I tell you, I tell you what I will do because I have good connections with the Cork International Hotel. When she's stronger, right? When Mar is stronger, and hopefully that will be soon, and herself and Jerry are ready, we'll organise an overnight for them at the International Hotel. Then, all right, with a, a little drink on arrival and yeah, what? They're fantastic. And we'll organise the dinner then. So we're in no rush to do that. Okay, Bernice? No, no. You're fantastic. You're all right. Fantastic. So that's in the bank. We can save that in the bank. All right? That's done. So all you, right. You'll come back to me. I'll talk to uh, Sandra Murphy at the time and we'll set it up at that stage. Okay. Okay, Sonny. Thanks very much, Brian. And that's Thank for you. that's for Jerry and his mar, all right? His mar. His mar. Yeah. All right, okay, Bernice. So. Mind yourself. Okay, Take thanks. care, girl. All right. the best. Okay. I loved Michael's story. I have to say, the story of Michael and Jennifer and him working in juries and going back up to Carlo and getting back on the bus and her coming into the pub in slow-mo. She was so beautiful, she seemed to glide across the floor. 
So you're sorted for a romantic night. Thank you so much to everybody else that got involved. So Michael Amar, you're off to the Cork International Hotel. Uh, one night for both of you. Welcome drinks, breakfast, three-course dinner, or you can have their fabulous new lunch offering on Sundays and a private cinema screening with all of the sweet treats you'd have at the movie. So lads, well done, Michael, and congratulations to Jennifer. Uh, share those stories. We'll pick up on those and lots more in the morning. So do text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Most importantly, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.